This is the Endless Ranters Podcast. Get it on. Get it on. This is Jaden. This is Chris. Welcome to episode 27 of the Endless Rainers podcast, the podcast for Adam Carolla fans by Adam Carolla fans. Thanks for listening and subscribing, and thanks for all of your support. We really appreciate it. Uh, today, for you, we have a very special episode. Our guest is super fan Giovanni. So we're going to bring him in in just a minute because I know we're all excited to hear. You know, his one-of-a-kind Corolla origin story. But first, couple notes. Remember to look for and join the Endless Rainers podcast Facebook page. Several of our questions for Giovanni came from group members, so that's where you can get involved if you'd like. We're also on Twitter at Endless Ranters and Instagram at Endless Rainers Podcast, where we post guest picks after each show. Uh, email too. Haven't mentioned that in a while, but email too if you want endlessranters at gmail dot com. If you just want to go on a you know long winded screed and let us know what's up, go for it. And uh, please leave us a rating or review wherever you listen. So before we bring our guest in, let's say thanks to our last Kyle Phillips. Kyle was great, right? Funny, oh. what a voice, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, smooth. Uh, and then next up. On episode 28, James Kutcher is going to be joining us. Many of you know him, and he's another ace hole I'm really looking forward to meeting uh, online here on the pod and, and in person someday. Cool guy. Uh, and remember, buddy, check out Jaden's Talk Time Radio podcast, available everywhere you find your podcasts. Just saw a really hilarious clip uh, you posted earlier today uh, that mm. uh, I think... Uh, it's going to be a good show, right? <laughs> yeah. It's a controversial show, probably. Yeah, maybe to some. It's, but it, that shit was yeah. funny, man. So, And then uh, you got some music projects in the works, right? Something, Some things you're working on? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, know if I've, I don't know if I've ever mentioned it on the show. Uh, yeah, Curious it's, FM is my concept music project. It's my solo music project. I do everything, all instruments, all writing all production uh it's called curious fm it's concept music it's a story and uh i have two original albums out and a, a, a cover album out and we're about to me and richie actually richie's gonna play the drums on it we're gonna do another cover album to gear up for my next my third original album so curious fm available on all the music streaming apps uh you might enjoy it. it's prog rock there's some doo-wop type stuff there's, a, there's something for everybody so once again curious fm Check yeah, it, it, is, it is really good, and I'd say it's really well produced. So, yeah, it, it's impressive. And oh, yeah, uh, you mentioned Richie, Richie Rosales. He was our guest for episode twenty-two. So, special birthday wishes for for Richie. Yes, sir. Yeah, Richie so, Rose. <laughs> Richie Rose, that one is. So, uh, what do you think, Jaden? Any thoughts or notes before we bring Giovanni in? Oh no, man! I just, I just want to get to it. It's I've been looking forward to it. Yeah, cool, man. All right. Let's go get him. Yes, sir. All right, everybody. We are back. Our guest was voted the 2018 Most Loyal Ace Hole by the Adam Carolla Podcast Facebook group. So here he is, the man, the mystery, the super fan, Giovanni. Welcome, sir. Oh, thank you very much. Hi, everybody. 
Yeah, so uh, let me just say thanks for thanks a lot for making time for us and uh, from everyone, from Jaden and I and for all the Adam Carolla fans out there and especially our listeners. Thanks for doing what you do. I know a lot of folks really, you know, the classic love lines bring back a lot of great memories. So, uh, yeah, so sincerely, everyone is uh, super appreciative of what you do. And, awesome. uh, you know, towards the end, we'll definitely want to get you to tell us where we can find you, all your projects and how everybody can support your work. So, sure. All right. All right. So uh, let's get started. So where are you joining us from exactly? Uh, just outside of Spokane, Washington. It's a town in Idaho called Post Falls. Oh, so that's, oh, so yeah, that kind of threw me for a second. So I guess those are uh, adjacent areas. So Spokane, Washington. Yeah, they're right bugged up against each other. I mean, got it. it's probably truly just well, more Washington state, but they call it Idaho. Okay. So that's kind of like, that's your city that you go to i guess in that area yeah i can go to Coeur d'Alene or i can go to spokane uh both leave a little bit to be desired like i i'm from washington state i hadn't been to spokane until two years ago okay uh, so it's that kind of a thing where are you I from originally oh go ahead oh i was oh. just I, I hear it's really beautiful up there is it as beautiful to you being a native as it is to well other i don't, I don't in Idaho, i don't get to see anything like yeah, they don't publicize oh. where a lot of the stuff is like the best lakes and the best stuff to go see that's open to the public if you go to like Instagram posts and they, you see a picture of somewhere in Idaho, every single comment is, uh, we don't want any more Californians. Don't tell people about this. Uh, it's full of toxic waste. You can't swim there. It's really oh, okay. just, they, they don't want anybody anywhere. And uh, you, you get that feeling quite a bit while you live here. And I'm so busy. I don't really have time, but. It's a good it, strategy. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's just make everything unpleasant. Nobody wants to do it. But yeah, it, it's, in theory, it's beautiful. Uh, Spokane's more industrial. Uh, there is some like, you know, stuff to see in Spokane, but not as much. Really, you want to be in Coeur d'Alene or outside of it. Okay. So you okay. said Washington State is where you're from originally? Kirkland, Washington. What? Kirkland? Flags. Okay, gotcha. So uh, just have you moved around the states a lot or just kind of Washington Job State? Job was uh, outsourced in 05. I uh, couldn't okay. find another gig, so I moved to Hawaii. Uh, I got officially accepted to transfer. Head of the union told me no more Howleys, which is, means foreigner, but they only use it for white people. Uh, and then when I was there for 17 months, just living off credit cards, trying to find their gig, uh, nothing was coming through. So then they transferred me to Chicago because uh, they couldn't keep me out for that long, even though they did. And then from Chicago to Houston. And then Houston, I got work from home after a decade at, with the company. And I was able to move to any state I want to. So I tried to get back to Washington, but they won't let you work from Washington or California. Oh. <laughs> so man, that's, as close as I can get is this. Shit, yeah. man, that's, that's a lot going on there. So what... You, you said Hawaii was mixed in there? Yeah, Honolulu. That's where I first I got my first Loveline tapes. I'd been uh, keeping track of all the MP3 files and all the raw recordings for years. But the first time I actually started transferring tapes was in 07. I had nothing to do. Uh, one of these people who serial, like, had a whole bunch of tapes and was giving them to other fans, and they would sit on them for years, not release them, release them with bad audio and bad dates. I was like, yeah. F this, give me the tapes instead of these other guys. And they threw a big fit, but I ultimately got 80% of the tapes and mine sound way better. And uh, they had no idea at the time I was transferring them from a battery operated Walkman <laughs> via 3.5 <laughs> jack into a laptop, a compact, a $400 compact laptop from Best Buy. And I was getting better audio than these supposed professionals. Uh, Jeez. The, the equipment's evolved quite a bit over the years, but that's the first tapes. Well, yeah, that's, that's a long that's fucking intense. time. Yeah, we're going to get into that kind of like the whole the process for those classic love line tapes. But um, I think everybody wants to know kind of when you or no, actually, what 
So you moved around a lot. Like what industry can you say? Uh, for an airline, I, I now work in the customer service department. It's not, it's not a fancy job. It's just the best job I could get. When I started, I was like $7 an hour. I'm at top pay now, but okay. it took forever and uh, it was very difficult. Well, that can explain kind of all the jumping around. So, do, do they call? Do they actually call baggage handlers throwers? Or is yeah, that... they, they, they internally they call themselves that. It's not. Uh, oh, okay. Term. That's a well. You know, that's a Fight Club question. Yeah. I don't know if you're okay. I was wondering. I was like throwers, huh? Hmm. I bet they're taking great care of your baggage. No, if you watch, there's videos all over the internet of what what can happen uh, if there's bad employees, and it seems like it's every a... industry has a bunch of them. Oh, okay. Uh, sure. So uh, when did you first start listening to Adam? And do you remember the first time you, I guess, just became aware of him? Yeah, it was a MTV Loveline. I think it was December 12th or around then. It was the first Friday after it premiered uh, in December of 96. And uh, I was hanging out with my buddies. And uh, we had just started seventh grade. And uh, <laughs> we were about two, two months in. Everybody was, like, super into getting effed up and... Uh, like huffing gas and all kinds of weird stuff. And I was like, I don't know about this. I remember one night I was over at the girl's house. We like, you know, threw pebbles at her window. She's let us in. Her dad worked nights or worked whatever. So we all went in there and my buddy Eric and her were huffing gas in a closet and MTV Love Line was on. <laughs> I was like, you know, I'm just going to keep watching this. And, uh, I did. And then I so got hooked. Adam, was Adam he saved like, you from, uh, becoming a, a, a gas huffing addict. Yeah, in, in many ways they did, but, uh, I was, you know, immediately it's the sex topics and the taboo of it and then Adam's comedy, but then I, I was just hooked. And I remember after that, just years of watching that show, uh, a picture in picture while I played various crappy video games or cause they would have like all night marathons on Saturday nights. So, you know, midnight to 4am, you have four episodes of love line back to back. It was pretty sweet. I remember those good old days. Yeah. I used to do a lot of gaming and I'd have two TVs and I'd have something on, not, not love line, honestly, but you know, something else on those, uh, it's a good old day. So I read two TVs, what, but if I got a TV picture in picture was my goal. I was like, if this exists, yeah. I want it. I was oh, always yeah. playing Madden. I was playing Madden, I guess. And yeah, that and Tomb Raider. I don't I remember know specifically <laughs> playing Gex two, which I rented. It was the enter the movies one where they, they recreate all these movie scenes. I remember playing that, uh, while watching MTV love line. Hmm. And like picture in picture, damn, that's yep. cool. Yeah, picture in picture for me was always the 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 mark of success. Like <laughs> if you got a picture in picture, I think it was ride. like a four hundred and twenty five dollar Trantron. It took me years to get it, and I, like I had my oh. heart set on it. It's the same TV they had in Scream. Remember the first Scream? Everybody has that same Trantron. Yeah, I know because uh, I worked for a moving company, and I know that those are, I think those are like the heaviest TVs there are. Sony, yeah, right? All CRT TVs, but the Sony Trinitrons especially. And now there's a uh -huh. whole uh, wave of people trying to find them because they like to do old school classic gaming with no lag. So people are desperate to find the last era CRTs that have like component uh, hookups so they can plug stuff in. Well, the, uh, I have oh, that's one. That's cool. I, well, my ex-wife has one. one of those <laughs> uh, so you don't Sony. have it. You don't have it. No, I no clear. longer am in possession for sure. So uh, It's no. on eBay. Yeah, and we've we've moved it like three or four. We moved it three or four times, and that fucker. Yeah, the the moving guys would just be like, "Oh, you gotta be shitting me!" But it yeah, won't anytime, stop. Yeah, anytime you hear, are heavy. It yeah, won't any, stop working. It won't break. So, yeah. so yeah. you can't give it up. So. I saw a guy drop a Trinitron, and it fucking fired right up. Literally dropped it off the moving truck. Still works. Wow. Uh, Geo, do you still? Are you just out of curiosity? Are, are you still a gamer? Yeah, I mean, I don't ever have time to play, but in theory, I buy video games. Uh, yeah, I bought Alien Isolation in 2014. I beat it last week. 
Okay. Well, so what's your game of choice? See, I'm a GTA five. I'm still stuck on GTA five on the PS4. Yeah. Really far on the PS3 transfer my character over to PS4. I had a couple of buddies to play with, but they all bowed out. So I haven't been yeah. able to do any of the heist or any of the fun stuff. I've been dying to do it. Oh, There's dude. To play with. Oh, dude. Hit me up. I'll, I'll get to you. I'll get my PSN to you after the pod. I'm Giovanni but. Giorgio on PSN for anybody who wants to hit me up. Same thing as my Sweet. Twitter handle. Hell yeah. I'm, I'm totally down to do that. was Friday the 13th. Uh, the flawed game, but uh, I'm a huge fan of the series. And it's way better than something like Dead by Daylight. So it's it's if they would have just done a little bit more work on it and not quit. It probably would have a perfect game. Yeah, I heard about that game. Actually, sounded really interesting. I don't know if it was uh, the ACS. Uh, I don't know if it was ACS or not. But somebody came on that was involved in that game. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? I don't might have been ACS. It might have been Rogan. Somebody came on a podcast and was talking about that game. And you know, I'm I'm more you know I either like football or GTA. Those are the only two I kind of swap between. But the the premise or the you know the the kind of uh, gaming style of of that intrigued me because it was like he would pop up out of nowhere. Yeah, there's right? eight you players. Kind of- you randomly selected, or you can put a preference in to be Jason or counselor. And it's two different types of gameplay. They're very faithful in movies. If the Jason can't run in the movie, can't that that version of the Jason can't run in the game. Yeah, uh, certain ones are faster underwater. They they got a lot of it right. Uh, there's there's a lot of bugs and. Uh, the developers kind of effed off with a bunch of money, and then they blame the lawsuit for why they can't keep updating it, and there's a bunch of upset fans. Oh, shit. But the Damn. game's still good. You can still play it. There's a Damn, couple flaws, sounds- but it, it's, uh, you get a couple of buddies, a couple of beers. It seems like the funnest thing in the world. I've only been able to play with uh, racist white dudes in the, middle of the South who drop N-bombs and uh, really <laughs> angry little kids uh, who shouldn't be playing this game at all who are totally inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> who are going to grow up to be angry racists that dropped in. Uh, th- that's the similar to, to, to one of my favorite games of all time. It's a football game uh, made in the UK. It was called Backbreaker. Do you know what I'm talking about? I'm and not familiar. You- I stopped playing football games. Madden, I think the last one I played was the last one that had a great creative player. I think it was on SNES or maybe it was one of the first N64 ones. Once you yeah. got rid of the creative player the way I liked it, where you could actually like like you know, go through the combines and everything I wanted to do, I, I was out. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, this game is 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 particularly good to me anyway because I, I actually went to school for video game creation. This game, Backbreaker, used the same physics engine that GTA uses, the, the oh. Euphoria engine. So it's like mm-hmm. ragdoll physics, but with like the players are smart. So uh, I recommend checking it out. But it was it was kind of the same thing. It was super um, fan favorite, but kind of faded out, and everybody was pissed. So anyway, not to spend too no, much. No, look into it. I also love the uh, River City Ransom games. Uh, oh, I loved that shit. Yeah. They, they, Sorry. Uh, rival. It was a school. It wasn't rival schools. It was called uh, Crash and the Boys uh, for NES. That one. That was the first one that came over here. I think that was translated. I was obsessed with that game as a kid. So, you know, these like two different schools competing against each other, and there's like these different like swimming events. You get to beat the shit out of the other team and drown them, or this like uh, shot put or something. <laughs> it was just really yeah. bizarre. You remember uh, Super Dodgeball? I don't. Oh no, okay. I, I remember well, the title. Kind of, I don't remember playing it. Well, it was kind of the same style of characters because I think uh, was it. Uh, maybe it wasn't Double Dragon who made River City Ransom. Maybe it wasn't the same production the company. It was kind of, company? Uh, I, don't, I don't remember, but there's, either way, so I, many. I don't want to geek out on fucking uh, Nintendo games. So, That's um, all I want to do. <laughs> yeah, See, okay. Yeah, you, hey, well, uh, we you, can. It's up to you. We, we leave oh, it up yeah, to the guests. Another. One of the most impressive things I ever saw was we were backstage. We were in uh, Milwaukee. Yeah, I think we were in Milwaukee. And uh, it was me and Adam and Mike Lynch. And they had an old TV and an NES and Mike Lynch was uh, just uh, owning Mike Tyson and Mike Tyson Punch-Out. 
and he remembered all the moves from like 30 years ago when he played it and I was I was watching him in awe. Yeah. I was trying to tell Adam how impressive it was but he wasn't having it. Mm. Oh, Lynch remembered all the moves. Yeah, so Mike Lynch oh, was just okay. he was, he was, okay. he was beating the crap out of Mike Tyson and Adam was just like, yeah, whatever. Adam would remember all the TV commercials about that game, you know, but he wouldn't remember the actual game. Yeah, he never played it but I just, he was watching. I was like, you know, you understand impressive this is Adam. He hasn't played this in 30 years and he, he has the exact button commands memorized. <laughs> yeah, I, I can I can see Adam just being like, eh, there you go. Yeah, he's not in gaming. Uh, when we yeah. when we did Kirkland, Washington for those laugh shows, uh, Tommy Davidson was in like the week before, and he met the people who had like a at a BattleTech arena, which isn't like VR. It's one of those weird, kind of crappy games where you like in a mech suit, but you have this giant machine, and they were like begging Adam to come over and try and play it. And I, I had to be the one to ask him, "Hey, these guys next door." And he's like, "No, I don't want to do that." I'm like, "Of course you don't want to do that." But I told him I'd ask. Yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, you, I was gonna say, like you, you mentioned that so. Before MTV Loveline and watching that, so was that just kind of a random thing? It was all yeah, completely at that random. Time? First exposure, Adam and Drew. Uh, at, the, at the time, I don't believe Loveline was syndicated in Washington. It would later end up on the Buzz, which was a mono talk station, and then it was there until 2003. It switched over to the End, our famous alternative station that broke a lot of bands. Oh shit! That's man. We, yeah. We've had a lot of guests that know a lot, but yeah, I'm feeling you might know. Even more. So what you, you mentioned his comedy, his sense of humor that got you hooked. Was it anything in particular, like any bit or rant or? No, I, I basically grew up raised by media. So whatever TV, whatever music came in my way, that's how I learned things. I didn't have a, a family unit really. So it was all media influence and it could have gone any way, I guess. But uh, I quickly realized how funny he was. And I, I'm a huge comedy aficionado fan my entire life. I, I watched everything. And I'm, I'm, Carlin was my favorite comedian of all time. And Adam yes. was the only guy like Carlin, but he does the exact opposite. Instead of going uh, just uh, big picture, uh, macro, he goes micro. And he does his personal life, I think Carlin would never really touch. So it, it's kind of like an inverse of Carlin, but the same power. Yeah. yeah. Do, do you have a favorite um, just comedy album? It doesn't have to be Carlin. Carlin. Do you have an, an, a comedy album that stands out? Yeah, but I love uh, David Cross, uh, Shut Up You Fucking Baby. It's a two-disc CD set. Me and my buddy Clarence probably heard that about 40 times. Oh, came man. out in 2002. Uh, this great story about uh, him being in New York after 9-11 and a, a guy in a dump truck cat calling to a woman. And they get his impression like, come on, baby, come on. And then like, there's a great line. Maybe that hundred chick likes to fuck on a pile of trash. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm curious, since you, you said you're a comedy aficionado, um, my favorite comedy, I think I've told Chris this before too. My favorite comedy album of all time is The Day the Laughter Died, Part Two. Do you, do you uh, know who Andrew that is? Andrew Clay. The first yes. one was uh, the one he did uh, with like a shitty room on purpose that Joe Rogan always talks it, about. He's done a yeah. second one? There was a second one. Now, here, here's why I like it. And uh, not to spend too much time on this, but the first one he did, it was at like after his breakout album. So he's doing like Madison Square Garden and stuff. Yeah. And then he's like, he's like, yeah, I'm going to do an album at Dangerfields where it's unannounced. Nobody knows who it is. I have no material. And I basically berate the audience. And it's a double album. Hmm. And so, you know, that was a big hit. And then he has his career. But the reason I like part two, it, it was on the downside kind of like on like during the fall of his career so he's like extra angry so i, I rec recommend checking that out sometime yeah dice was a pivotal point for me where i, I was like comedy's losing me because i'd never, never gotten dice i was like 96 i remember he had an hbo special may have been a 95 special airing 96 and my first girlfriend jessica and my best childhood friend elizabeth over and I'm like let's watch this it'll be hilarious and i just remember being extremely vulgar it was, it was funny enough but it's like a lot of him 
like a beating off while listening to his neighbors have sex with people in their hotel rooms, which I don't know, probably was not the best thing for a, a girl I wasn't even holding her hand yet. Yeah, yeah, it's not conducive. For, <laughs> <laughs> no, well, the thing is, I'm not even a fan of his like scripted comedy. Just what that I like is when, CD. yeah, when when he, I like when he goes and and yeah, just specifically part two because he was extra angry. I'll give it he a went shot. in there with no material and just fucking just unleashes. So it was great. But um, yeah, we could. Uh, do you want to move on to that question? Uh, we got a question from Sarah Beach and Each. Beach and Each. Yeah. When when and how did you meet Adam for the first time? Uh, let's see. It would have been Shakespeare in two thousand nine. The charity event at his house. Uh, when the I was calling the radio show for over a year, I started in 2008 while I was still in Honolulu after Bonaducci left. I was like, why doesn't anybody ever call and ask for these stories? Why doesn't anybody ever do this? I was like, oh, I'm just going to do it. Screw it. So I'd have to call in at like 3 a.m. from a street corner, the only place I could get good reception, uh, out in Honolulu, uh, <laughs> right off of Aloha Drive, if anybody knows where that is. And, uh, so there'd be like weird, like street people walking around stuff. And I have kind of like look up over my shoulder the whole time while I'm doing it just to make sure nobody's come to hassle me, which happened a few times. And you had to get like an outside number. They wouldn't because the number they gave out was only good for the markets they were in. So I had to get like a, a different number that they didn't give to the public, which I found via like a message board. And uh, so I started calling in. After that, the when the uh, radio show was ending and the podcast was starting, the person Mike Chaffee contacted the day it was happening was me. And me and Mike Chaffee tried to solve every problem from him relearning HTML to getting a podcast posted and approved on iTunes within 48 hours, which was kind of impossible. And, yeah, at uh, that time, it, it, you said it was 2009? This was 2009 when the podcast started. And then from there, uh, Shakespeare happened a few months later. And as it was only appropriate that I show up for that because I've been so heavily involved. So I uh, bought a ticket Shakespeare, or maybe I got a comp one, I can't remember. I showed up and uh, I met Adam at his Malibu house. And I met uh, Ray and Chris and Donnie and Mike August. And that's where I pitched Mike August on James Gunn. And I also vomited in one of Adam's bushes. Nice. Well, I, okay, so that's yeah. another. That's like the picture in picture. That's a mark of success, right there. Well, I, I, Adam's I, I, bushes. I was nervous, and I, there was nothing to eat because I'm a vegetarian. So I was like, "All right, I'll just I'll pound a beer or two. So I had a beer. I'm like, "Oh, it's pretty good. Let me grab another beer." On an empty stomach, and I, I basically vortexed both of them. <laughs> so after oh, meeting so a few people, I turned a corner. I'm like, "Oh, this is not. I can't stop this." And I just projectile vomited, but I aimed right in a bush, so nobody knew. But then so you, was, were, you weren't even drunk. It was just like a. An anxiety mixed with empty stomach type just, thing. Just you not were, even anxiety. It was just empty stomach shit. and the velocity of the beer. It, it cycloned down and it cycloned back out. <laughs> so your first oh, interaction was calling in to the radio show, the morning show, yeah, in two thousand eight. And then Teresa dubbed me super fan Giovanni. I just went with it. Oh, and, that's uh, oh, so Teresa gave me that moniker. Nice. Yeah, she asked me if I'm a super fan. I was like, yeah, whatever. And then uh, I kept calling back because nobody told me not to and nobody told me to call, but I didn't want to call the time and be annoying. So I always try to give it two weeks if I could or more. So I have like, I think I have about 19 calls over the course of 15 months. Okay. Now, why did you call it Shakespeare the first time you actually met him in person? Oh, that's what the event was called, a Shakespeare. So it was a Shakespeare charity event for inner city kids in the Los Angeles area. And the event was called Shakespeare uh, because you're supposed to come and have beers. Nice. All right. So yeah, Lynette, Lynette organized it with some other people. It was uh, it was really fun. Got to meet everybody. They recorded a uh, podcast on the edge of his property, right where the wind is, so it did not come out so great. I've remastered that a few times, but it still sounds pretty rough. And you you mentioned Mike Chaffee, so I've I've heard that name on the Daves of Thunder podcast. Mm-hmm. They they've had him on, I think, a couple times in the in the the you know Daves of Thunder two the last year. Yeah. So 
you guys worked together like right after the radio show ended? Well, before it was pace. ending, while it was ending, yeah. He was a uh, originally an intern on the morning show, and then uh, him and Mark Chambers uh, got really involved with the podcast of the morning show. See, in 2006, Adam had a number one podcast on iTunes called The Adam Carolla Show. That was from adamcarolla.com, uh, but people don't like to count that for some reason. And that was what they I've were doing. I've never heard him mention that. Yeah, yeah he, he doesn't. He knows, but he doesn't know. I've told him a million times. Oh, okay. But they would only tell him about his streaming numbers. They didn't explain the podcasting thing to him. And uh, the podcast was getting effed up by some other employees. So I called in, complimented Chaffee and Mark Chambers, and said, you know, they need to be uh, permanent employees. They need money. They were probably already getting that because of their uh, work uh, prowess. But uh, I, I was encouraging them to be full-time employees. And, uh, in exchange, they just made sure the podcast was posted perfectly after that. And they even used my uh, suggested audio settings, 96 kilobytes, mm. uh, joint stereo so they could get the, the nicest audio they could with the limits they had in place. Nice. Now you don't have to answer this question if you don't want, was one of these people that you were, um, not recommending, was that Donnie? Well, Donnie wasn't even around. So that Donnie was just a friend that Adam would talk about. And uh, oh. then when they announced they were doing a podcast, they started this narrative of Donnie telling Adam what a podcast is. And I knew that wasn't true because I'd already called in a year prior and explained to him what a podcast was and that he had a really hit podcast on iTunes. It was a big deal. And uh, his staff was doing this. So there, there's audio evidence of that, which I, of course, volunteered when everything hit the fan because I was like, hey, this is not, it's not real. So technically, that wasn't even the first Adam Carolla podcast, wasn't even his first podcast then. No, they, well, the, the radio show, but people don't like it. They've gone on for years. Yeah, there's like Jimmy Pardo used to always go, well, that was a radio show. It wasn't a podcast like we were doing, so we were doing it first. But it actually predates Jimmy Pardo's Never Up Funny by four months, predates Smodcast by a year and five months. And then nice. eventually, I don't know what happened. I think I made an argument somewhere, and Jimmy Pardo got wind of it. And then he came on the Corolla show or Adam and Drew show, and he set the record straight and said, actually, you did have a podcast before me. Just because it was a radio show doesn't mean it doesn't count. It was a podcast. And I was like, wow. And it, it took yeah, years, but it, it finally somebody admitted it and explained it to Adam again. So Donnie didn't, he wasn't working on the show. No, he wasn't great, on the morning great. show at all. No. Okay. Well, no, on the, like, but when he went to the podcast. Yeah, he, he was. I mean, he, he oh, came okay. in and they, they made this narrative and Donnie had either quit his job or lost his job or whatever it was at the time. Uh, I think I was like calling plaintiff one, so I prefer to call him. Uh, but uh, <laughs> okay, so what? Okay, and you can once again say whatever you feel comfortable saying. What do you know about that? Because there are so many questions out there. I know everything. And, okay, well, do you know? Uh, well, I don't want to ask numbers or anything, but are they? Do they have they talked since the lawsuit? Oh no. What okay, do you think I mean, we should know? That you know that well, I mean, well, we, we were curious. Uh, Adam well, we, was honest, and he gave his like it'd be like if you. Gave your buddy a chance to get a piece of the pie. And then uh, I remember being there for like, they would have like secretive meetings and they called themselves Core Four, which was a plaintiff one, his cousin, his wife, and another person who was like a childhood friend of theirs. Uh, but not Mike Chaffee, who did all the work behind the scenes and got the podcast posted. Adam was a member of the Core Four. And Adam's, you know, a celebrity with an agent. You can't just be like, all right, I'm getting 20% of your career, 50% of your career, whatever they wanted. He has an agent. There's a whole process to that. That guy gets 10%. He doesn't get it that much. So, like, it wasn't even my choice or anybody else's choice. You can't really step in and, and do that. And I, I don't think they understood that part of it. And it's just people wanted, like, the people other than Adam wanted to control the pirate ship. So yeah, basically, Adam, whatever Adam said is just is accurate. Oh, 100%. Oh, the, the story oh, yeah. tells about 
going into the courtroom and having all of his childhood friends and uh, plaintiff's one mom, who was his realtor, who he made a millionaire and also got her in contact with Kimmel and all these other famous people. Lynette came on my podcast, my old geo podcast. I did like 330 episodes and there were interviews with all of the staff, uh, crew, family of everybody involved with Adam's world, fans, listeners, uh, personal people from my life. I interviewed my dad once, which people objected to. Uh, and, uh, he, he, Lynette came on and told the whole story. Uh, and I, I don't have it up anymore, but I probably could re-release it, but she tells everything like, like she was not legally bound anymore from the lawyers. So she could just let loose. Okay. She told every single story about 10,000 people downloaded it, but nobody seems to have a memory of it. Damn. Okay. So yeah. cause, she, cause she said she told, you know, a little bit more than I've ever heard anywhere. I think it's on YouTube. She, that she, she kind of told, she gave kind of the broad strokes on, uh, for crying out loud, yeah. but we were always curious. And once again, you don't have to say anything. It's not even your secret to tell, but we were always curious about what the settlement was, what the range was. You don't have to tell us the exact number, but I don't know. The we, exact we've are, I have a feeling okay. of what it is, but uh, I don't know. Yeah. Well, well did, once did plaintiff again, one have to go back to work after that? I think I think it was a lot less. Lynette said always says it's a lot less than they wanted, so that they weren't able to retire off of it. Well, good. Okay. Good. Well, yeah. So you know, in addition to all that, everybody's so curious about you and what you do for Adam and and really all of us. So today, you know, what's your exact role at Corolla Digital? Want you know now? And then you know, how did it? I guess you've already kind of gotten into this, but how did it start and how has it evolved over the years? I just do free work, and then sometimes I do freelance gigs, so I don't really have a title. Uh, it's just uh, just part of the show, which would help out. I mean, there's lots and lots of free work. It started with Loveline stuff for over a decade. I was uh, keeping the files, collecting them, trying to give the websites that were charging donations and screwing everything up, like the rest of the files, and they would just tell me, I don't want those. I was like, well, give an incomplete collection. At least offer that if you're going to take money. And uh, then you'd hear from like the operators like, oh, I injured my foot. How else am I supposed to pay bills? That was the Loveline Archive guy, uh, Spreewell, and I, n- I never liked any of them. And so I was just doing all this for free because I loved the show and there was no official archive and there needed to be. And like Stern had rights to his own archive, but there wasn't one circulating. Uh, back on the Napster days, the only uh, radio show you would find is Loveline. And then Audio Galaxy and uh, all those, uh, what, G Nutella, Nutella, I don't know how to say it. Uh, all those weird third-party clients for peer-to-peer sharing. Uh, you know, Bear Share, uh, Winamex, everything you can imagine. It was always Loveline. And so I would just help make sure all the files migrated from one place to another. And there was this uh, underground message board called Goat Based that was invite only. And it was a bunch of gatekeepers who consider themselves like the biggest Corolla fans, but they don't really like him. <laughs> and I somehow got access to this. Some idiot uh, kissed me in, which is probably a huge mistake. Uh, but good for everybody else. And once I got in there, I realized how kind of lackadaisical they were, how they would, had like files they've been sitting on for five years while I'm sitting here desperate to hear these lost shows and they won't release them because they can't figure out a date. But if they would just share them with the public, everybody could hear it and you'd have that date in a week because somebody would catch a clue you're missing or, or something. Uh, so I, I got those tapes and then I'd get into various arguments with the people who ran it, you know, which would be telling them to F themselves and uh, them threatening to ban me. And then me telling them to F themselves. <laughs> and then they finally did ban me. And then the board shut down a month later or something. <laughs> yeah, I was, was going to. Life of it. Maybe a few months ago, there was uh, one of your Get It On Classic Loveline episodes where in the beginning you talked a lot about this process. And you talked a lot about kind of getting access to all these old tapes. And it, yeah, it seemed. It was surprising to me at the time, just because it seemed pretty complicated. And if I remember right, you know, there there are a lot of people out there making it more difficult, 
right? Yeah, there, there was again, there was, cruel, there was gatekeeper. There was, yeah. well, there was a bunch of gatekeeper fans who didn't want this to happen. So I got the fan collection, that first one. Then I got another one. And then I started working with this kid named Adam Drissel out of upstate New York. And he's probably a decade younger than me. So we formed this unlikely friendship. And we just decided, instead of dealing with these other assholes, we'll just deal with each other. And we're a team. And he would contact the fans with the tapes. And, you know, sweetheart talk them. They'd send me the tapes. I'd pay for shipping. We can't pay for the tapes just because it, it wouldn't make sense. And it seemed unethical. Uh, so I would transfer them all. I'd do like 100 tapes a month or more. And uh, especially back when I was in Hawaii, there was just nothing to do. And then I uh, kept coming, kept coming. We had thousands of tapes. We recovered thousands of shows. When I started doing tapes, we had 1,093 episodes. And right now we have a roughly 2,300 and the ones I, I, then I've also replaced those, uh, 1093 with better copies. So I really just, I basically douched out the entire archive and doubled it. And then, uh, after that years of doing that, uh, podcast one was going to launch classic love line. I contacted Anderson and Norm Pattis, the CEO. And I was like, Hey, if you're going to do this, yeah, don't, don't do it this way. You're doing it wrong. Uh, let me help you out. And they said, they wrote me back. I said, yeah, you can help out. I didn't get paid, but I got access to the show. So I did that for about three years. And I would do all the editing and processing, and then Anderson would send me the raw files. And we got out like all those lost episodes from 96 onward that people hadn't heard in you know, 15, 20 years. And it was a really great thing. And then some asshole fans had to come along and upload the shows places they weren't supposed to. And everybody, like every single time I have access to something, some fans like, well, how do you have access to them? Give me their names. I'm going to contact them. You haven't negotiated right. You don't know what you're doing. Well, it's like, hey, kid, shut the fuck up. You're not involved in this. You're not getting involved in this. You're not going to ruin this. And this has happened every single iteration of this since 2000 or 99. There's always some know-it-all fan that comes in who wants to, I want to be the guy who does the archive. It's like, it doesn't work that way. You don't get to have glory. It's not a glorious thing. It's, it's a very awful, unfun process. And they always want to like, uh, like rearrange deck tears on the, t- deck tears on the Titanic, or they want to like put out all the files I have done as of 2007 or 2011. And be like, this is the master f- finished version. It's like, well, it's not, dude. We're still in progress. And so all these like incomplete files float around and crappy versions. And it's because people won't stay in their lane. And some guy put them all up in YouTube and they were asking him not to. And then they asked me if I could stop him. I couldn't. And the guy was a total prick. I'm like, you know, I'm not, we're not going to be involved this anymore. And they just kind of pulled the plug. That and a couple so other reasons. Who's they? Is that podcast one? Yeah, or the, it, was, the, it was too much okay. of a, a headache and a liability because the ownership is weird. You know, Dr. Drew thinks he owns the name Loveline. CBS wants nothing to do with the recordings, doesn't even know they own them, doesn't think they own them. And the uh, division that was in charge is bought out like three times at courtside. Two other different companies come in. Uh, the tapes are just sitting in this building in Valencia, most of them on their side, some of them stepped on. Uh, like 30 or 40 years of recordings from all of Westwood One's radio stations from like live concerts in the studio, just the rarest material possible, just trashed along some room because they had to make more offices. So everybody just forgot about this stuff. And, uh, that's where we got the official tapes from was that building in Valencia. Anderson showed up one day with his work badge and just went in and hauled them all out. And, uh, it kind of changed everything. So this, this is the Anderson that is bald Brian's partner. Yeah. Engineer right, Anderson from Loveline, who was like the angry stepbrother of Loveline, who's now turned into like the secret mole for the rarest and best content ever. And, uh, like a good friend of mine, actually. It was funny because we were antagonistic about a decade ago. Uh, he was just very much Anderson and didn't understand where I was coming from, but now we're on the same page. That's awesome to think about him just putting a work badge on and just going in and just, yeah. you know, got like it, some 70s music I was supposed playing. to go in with him as his assistant to go clean up the rest of them, but uh, two weeks before I was going to finally fly out and do that, uh, they just pulled the plug, so. 
Thanks, YouTube guy. Yeah, yeah. Fuck you, YouTube guy. No, and then I, I, ultimately had, I ultimately had to put my, my files on YouTube just to drown his out because they're clearly not enforcing it, so why should I be the only one not to put the files on YouTube? It's, it, a lot of times I get put in this position where other people can get away with stuff that I can't get away with when I should be the one doing it. Yeah, because you're trying to do it the right way. So Trying. Yeah, so what all goes into the like a classic Loveline release? Because I hear you saying... You know, you've had this one for a while, and you've cleaned it up, and you've gone back and cleaned it up. So, well, whenever I say we have it for a while, if you look at the tape source, it'll tell you the date of the new tape. So, most of these ones are 2019 or 2018, especially the last stretch. So, what happens is we've had a version of that, usually a recording from a stream in Minnesota from 2000. So, it's usually 16 kilobytes uh, mono. Sounds like garbage, but we have you know 45 percent of the show or 75 percent of the show. It's missing some breaks, missing the ending, missing the intro. And then now with these tapes, which I possess a lot of them, and then I have all the fan tapes, I can combine them and I can use patches when necessary and I can patch together complete versions. And in some cases, I don't have to do that. I can just transfer. Like I have these VHS tapes, which are the security camera, and that was recording in hi-fi for some reason that nobody can explain. <laughs> so this audio is amazing. And you get one of these, you have a perfect show, hi-fi. All you got to do is chop out the commercials, uh, normalize it, uh, tack on an intro and export it. Uh, so the transfer time is about uh, a little over two hours and then process it. And if I'm doing the video, you add that on. So maybe about four hours per episode for something like that. That's ideal. And then like it's a patchwork job, it can take, you know, four hours to 30 plus. I mean, I've, I've had to uh, have tapes completely uh, taken out of the case. There was one that Dr. Bruce spilled his coffee-like syrup on uh, about 20 years ago. <laughs> and the tape had become like uh, crystallized and it could not move. So you had to take it out. I had to soak it in alcohol. And of course, it completely un unwound itself. So then I had to rewind it by hand, uh, which took the better part of a day to finally get it to go. And then uh, transfer it and process it. There's a DAG show that's covered in my hand blood because I had to chop it up with a razor blade. But I didn't have a desk or anything. I was just doing it on carpeting in some crappy apartment in Honolulu. Uh, it doesn't affect the sound playback, but it's just weird. God damn. That's Jesus, you do so much more than people even realize. Oh, yeah. And they, and they, years of my life. This is cra it's crazy. Like, there'd be days in Honolulu, 22 hours, just laying in front of a laptop in a crappy apartment on a shitty twin bed that uh, the day I got it there, the ceiling broke open and brown water covered it, which was awesome. That the manager yeah, that, insisted, that wasn't water. Yeah, <laughs> the manager insisted it, 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 it was, and I was like, I don't think it is. So I'm sleeping on this gross poop bed uh, or laying on it <laughs> using a $400 laptop. I had to buy a Best Buy, desperate to have my $7 a job, job back. They won't give it to me. Uh, and uh, transferring tapes, you know, back to just nonstop, uh, one after another, processing them, posting them. Back on the old Corolla message board, there was two Loveline threads. So like the, bo the board had like 4,000 members or 5,000 members. You know, you get a few hundred views, wherever. I had one Loveline thread that had like 490,000 views. And then there was another one that had some crazy amount, like 500,000 views. And in those threads, I would post the new episodes. Free to everybody. No BS, no no gatekeeper. You just download them and go. Damn, nice. wow, that's, there's so much there. I'm going to listen to this over and over and just, I'm going to have a lot more questions. But man, that... And we really appreciate it, man. That I don't there's I don't know, there's no one that can really understand or I think before this moment, like all this stuff you do. So thanks a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's appreciate it. It's 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 still even more than that. It's just it's hard to for people to fathom how much of my life I've given away. And then like uh, when I have my I'm job starting back, to get an idea. Yeah. When I have my job back, I have to take the stuff that we have called no pay, where if it's not busy, you can just say, Do not pay me and I don't have to come into work. 
And that's the best time to work because there's no work to do. You just get paid to do nothing. But I'll take that and then I'll you know transfer tapes in that time. And people are like, well, how, how are you losing wages? It's like, well, on my annual sheet that I get from the, you know, at the end of the year for my work, it says paid X amount of hours and took this amount of hours of no pay. And that translates to X amount of dollars. So some years, you know, it's $20,000, $30,000 in no pay. And I don't make that much. So I'm making like bare minimum enough to pay rent and buy food and uh, giving up all the rest of my salary just to work on this. Damn. Jesus. I once put out a small brush fire. Uh, I mean, you know, <laughs> it could have it could have really gotten out of control, you know? I'm just saying. You know, you're not the only hero on the line. No. <laughs> so uh yeah, so what so when you clean them up, I, I imagine it's some sort of like EQ type thing. Yeah, I mean and, it, and, it all depends. Like a lot of these tapes, uh especially the fan tapes, they're in different conditions. So some of them mm-hmm. are swollen and messed up or they're stuck inside the case, so you have to transfer cases, do all that. Uh, I found Jeez. the best thing to do is get a good input recording. So I have these new Tascam decks that have a digital out, uh, a DAC digital audio converter built into them, as opposed to my previous setup, which was running analog into a uh, external sound card, a uh, Sound Blaster X5 or XYHD, and then running that digitally into my computer, which worked really good. But these one these decks are just they're like uh, somebody said they're the Mercedes Benz or something of, of decks, and they're, they're probably right. They're just a whole other level. So now I'm questioning if not, I should go back and redo 2,000 tapes through these decks, which I, I'm debating. Uh, I still have I think they're good four, enough. I don't know. I have good enough for the average listener. Me, and I like them. Yeah, exactly. Uniform. So I, that, no, they're probably, I mean, I'll, I mean, just to give you some peace of mind, I would, I would say that they're probably good enough for the, for, you know. That, the, that's the thing that was, what is good enough? And everybody always yeah. decides that for fans. So it's a situation where, the VHS tapes uh, hooked up through analog straight into the uh, sound card sound amazing. Those I'm never going to redo. Uh, the the lost tapes that are the cassettes from the studio, those uh, 94P, so 94% input. And then I just normalize them to negative 1.2 uh, independently, uh, break by break, and that comes out the best. Yeah. Just out of curiosity, do you ever do you do any like music production? I mean, you sound like a hell of a an audio engineer to have in the I've studio. learned it all because of doing this. So all of my knowledge is broken in the wrong kind of knowledge for music. So I, I can, mm. I can fit clean up music when a song's playing and I can, I can make it sound better than it does on a shitty recording, but you, you don't want me to record your band. Well, you seem like a, a vocal production guy because a lot of that, a lot of what you've done would apply to, you know, cleaning up, uh, uh I, I've learned track. some tricks. Uh, I was on a podcast once where one of the cast members, Mike was off and they were bummed. Like we can't release this. It sucks. And it was a guy's wife whose mic was off. And I found one of the microphones had her voice reflected off her husband's face when she was talking. So then I was able to go in and artificially boost it up and I could, I restored her channel via uh, her audio reflection. Nice. Yeah. Jesus. I still don't know how I did that one. Oh, Jesus Christ. All right. I could, I could Mission spend 20 impossible. minutes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, everything I know about this stuff I learned because of working on Love Line. Like when I first started, I could have, you know, I could have just had a cassette tape or I could have digitally recorded these. I didn't have the equipment and I didn't have all the know-how because I just, I just assumed somebody else was doing it. So like when I was, you know, as a teenager, I was like, well, all these other fans are already providing these recordings, but they were doing, you know, spotty jobs of it only when they're home. They would miss episodes and I could have been doing it. Like I, I still regret that to this day. Like I threw out all my cassette tape stuff in 95. I'm like, I'm going DVD. I'm going full digital. I want nothing to do with this. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of analog. And yeah. now my whole entire adult life has been spent stuck with analog <laughs> stuff. I don't want. Yeah. I threw out my old, uh, Taz cam, uh, tape recorder that I used to record music on. And now I sit down and like, you know, all the, all the stuff that goes into digital, there's, 
little quirks and shit like that you didn't used to have to worry about. Now I'm just like, oh man, I'm kind of like you. I'm just like, oh, man, I want to go back to. See, I to, don't, to I don't want to go back. I was just forced to. So it's 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 like an ultimate irony that the person who wants yeah. nothing to do with cassettes and analog media is drowning in analog media. I mean, yeah, and, and there's the pros and cons both ways. Crazy. Yeah. So yeah, but still, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I mean, I, I, there's just certain things that I miss. I just m- miss being able to plug and play. And now there's so much digital stuff that I personally don't, I'm, I'm more of a, you know, kind of musician than I am audio engineer. So there's probably a lot of stuff that you understand that I don't, uh, there obviously is, but, um, I do miss, uh, I do miss the days where we just plug and played, you know, yeah, singing analog. and rapping, especially you want it, you want an analog mic. Mm-hmm. No lag. Yep. I have, mm-hmm. I have a bunch of buddies. I'm like, why don't you just use USB? Like, you cannot use USB and be a rapper. No, a lot of. I'm sure a lot of people try. Yeah, I, I, I haven't given it a shot myself. The, the close I've come. <laughs> oh, you don't, to oh, you don't rap? You should freestyle yeah. right now. I got a beat. <laughs> uh, All right, John and Jeff. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Chris, we got you. Yeah. To go so, to the- yeah. When I yeah. So uh, when we first started doing this podcast a few months back, I was like right at the end of uh, December 2018. We were looking back to find old ACS episodes and, you know, try to find callers, you know, like a guest was coming on. Uh, they called into the show. We we're trying to find it. And so I was searching back and, and I was surprised to see these incredibly detailed, like minute by minute descriptions of every episode, you know, that you wrote. Yeah. So are you still doing those? And if you are, yeah, it's where- a super fan sidebar. Uh, they, they got a new web hosting company who didn't bother preserve them. So they deleted a couple million words of my work, which was, you sent me the link. You sent me the link. We'll post it in our, you know, we'll post it, but you sent me the link to those, all the, the, the sidebars. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's, there's lots of them. So they, they deleted them all. Now they've restored them. Some of them, uh, but I don't know what's going on with their website stuff. So in the meantime, I'm waiting to post them. So I'm just writing them and saving them and eventually I'll post them. But, I probably have a couple hundred that have to be respell checked because. Oh, so you're you're awesome. still doing them, but they're not. Yeah, because I was looking at his current website to see yep. if I could find them. They they've restored some of them to the old episodes, but they they told me to post like I talked to the web guy to post them there, and uh, the guy was very specific with how he wanted me to do it, which kind of contradicted with how we were doing it with Mike Lynch. So as opposed to letting some random third party web guy dictate how we do them, I'll just I'll wait until uh, he gets replaced. I didn't say it. <laughs> or dies, you know, or gets run over by Chris, you know. Yeah, I'll, <laughs> also run, possible. I'll run someone over. <laughs> yeah. Well, he right. tried to. What Chris said on the last episode, he wants to run over Chris Berman because he hates him. How do you feel about Chris Berman? I love him. You know the Sports Center guy. Or, oh, I know. I, I don't watch any Sports Center at all. But yeah, no, I'm familiar. Uh, I, oh, okay. I'm indifferent. I don't want to run over anybody. I've actually been run over multiple times. That's the irony of coming from Kirkland, where they have crosswalk flags now for kids. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was a kid. So no, oh, I don't yeah. want to run over anybody, especially after watching the latest Pet Cemetery. I didn't run over him. Uh, I mean, I, I all I said was I thought about it for a second. Yeah, but I I love Chris Berman, the rumbling, bumbling, stumbling guy. Anyway, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, all my all my buddies growing up have probably logged as much time as I have in Love Line with Sports Center. So I I haven't spent any time with it. I've probably watched Sports Center a full episode four times, maybe, and then whatever you catch in like a bar or in a Red Robin. Uh, Sports Center used to be religion for me but i don't know i basically caught an episode from like uh, the old kilborn or whoever it was and then uh we have olbermann was on there for a bit and then there was dan they were paired they were paired together i think kilborn and olbermann 
And then Dan Patrick, I caught a couple yeah. of that era. And then after that, nothing. All my buddies used to try to make me watch it. And I was like, you guys watch this at six in the morning? You turn this on every day? Really? Yeah. All right. That's fine. <laughs> that was I didn't good. have that was sports because I, I didn't have any uh, family influence. I just, I'd go to my friend's little league games and feel bad. Jesus. Uh, yeah. Um, so uh, another question from, or unless you had um, more to, more to, you know, expand on that. Well, I love, I love doing the sidebars. I've been doing since 2012. Uh, they're, they're just like, you know, it's a live commentary on the episodes. They've evolved over the years. Uh, some fans or people who aren't fans have picked them apart. Like who needs this? Who writes this? Blah, 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 blah. Jesus, just, so how's an excuse uh, to pay me a few bucks to listen? Yeah, to that's inc- it's incredibly detailed. Incredibly, de- I mean, I you know we do this podcast, and then we listen back and try to take some notes to, you know, it's like even <laughs> even that's hard. So yeah, the the kind of detail that is in those descriptions. It, it was designed to make it incredible. searchable. So if you just type Supervan sidebar in Google and any other term, you would find what you're looking for. So it was kind of a way, like a like a way to hack the internet for fans of Corolla. If you need to find a topic when we talked about it, but then there's the downside of people who have bad intentions finding these things to try to make a mountain out of a molehill or frame Adam for something he didn't do. Yeah, well, I've tried to figure out, and I brought it up on here before. Nobody else fucking remembers it, but the time Aisha Tyler ate fucking sweet potatoes into the mic, <laughs> it was like 2014 or something. And for some reason, I don't know. I don't know how to do you. Do you remember this? Uh, vaguely. She, was, she was guest hosting. Okay, and she yeah. just pulls out fucking yams or something and starts eating them into the mic. And I'm just like, who does that? That's so disrespectful to me. There's, a, there's a thing with people, especially who are busy, you know, they're commuting Dr. Drew style. They got to eat on the way up the road and they have their life and they're like doing a favor of the show to come and guest host. And it all, it all call, it could also be a bit where she's trying to be funny, but I vaguely remember that. I, I don't remember being funny with that. I felt like it was one of those things where she's like, well, this is how comfortable I am on the mic. I'm guest hosting somebody else's show, so watch this. <laughs> but either way, that's just a whole other thing. So. I mean, I remember when uh, nah. Matthew Willard <laughs> ate plantains into the mic on 2004 Loveline. And oh, like, my God. He was God. talking about how great his Cuban food was, which made me really want to try Cuban food, but uh, also gross. Oh, yeah. So we got a, we got another question from uh, Miss Beachinich. Uh, it's actually two questions. Do you have an all-time favorite episode of ACS and an all-time favorite episode of Loveline? Two-part question. Uh, Loveline's tough. Uh, the Angelica Bridges episode from 2001 where he tells the SD Chilodenko kitchen fire story and then he tells the nude sunbathing story and her reactions are, are pretty epic. But uh, recently we've discovered a new fart lighting show which is on YouTube. That one's right up there. It's, it's so great. And then, of course, Dr. Drew's birthday in the year 2000 where Adam farts him out of the studio. We have video of oh, that yeah. now, too. You and posted you that oh, on nice. Twitter, video. I think, recently. Yeah, and, and Dr. Drew does go in the hallway to broadcast on an upside-down trash can. So, oh, And also God. the security guard night one, which was missing for like 18 years, uh, where Adam crawls out and tries to record the security guard snoring on the couch, and he does have a gun on him. So Adam's afraid he's going to wake up and shoot him, and it's uh, pretty great. <laughs> nice. No, uh, nothing. Um, so that, that was Loveline. Anything that sticks out with ACS? Oh, there's, there's so many. Um, I love episode 1000 with Ben Schwartz. He uh, effortlessly is like a great uh, live on-air partner for Adam. And he played this great like straight man character while Adam was just riffing. That one stands out probably did forever. You, did you do that? Was that on the um, over the Christmas break, 2018? We played, it, we played a clip of it, yeah. Yeah. We, I nice. think we actually talked about that on one of our early early podcasts yeah that was incredible yeah, ben, ben uh, yeah it was during the, the during the holiday uh wasn't it during the ho- yeah holiday during the break? first cruel of classics volley we tried yeah. out to see if people liked it 
Okay. <laughs> at just the moment, I'm, I don't remember like specifically what it was, but I just remember being blown away. Uh, like, that was, he has to hilarious. commit autoerotic asphyxiation <laughs> before he's 32 or 33. So he's oh, heading yeah, for yeah. his death and he has no choice in the matter. And Adam's like, sorry, man. Oh, yeah. Shit. Uh, just out of curiosity, how many active podcasts do you have right now? Uh, see, I'm doing Pod God still, but uh, we're doing that uh, every fortnight, so just twice a month. I think that's how you say that, uh, bi-weekly. And then uh, I'm doing uh, Classic Loveline in the Geo Podcast feed, and I'm doing Corolla Classics. I think that's all I'm doing. Uh, I did The Geo Podcast was something I started back in 2010, and it was just this free-form thing where I was going to chop up old clips of Adam's shows that he couldn't use, but via fair use, I could try to make an argument that I could. And I'd record an intro just uh, so that people could say it was transformative work, not because I wanted to hear my own voice. And then eventually I started bringing guests in and I would just interview them, either other fans, again, uh, former cast members, family members. I think I had Adam on three or four times, some really great interviews. I had Drew on twice. I had Lynette on a few times. Uh, Everybody who's basically working on the show was was on that show. Uh, Bob Bryan, uh, Anderson. Anderson revealed on episode, I think, 17 about the secret tapes that they've been lying about for 15 years. So, like, he blew my mind on air. He's like, actually, you know how we said we don't have any tapes? We, We do have tapes. Uh, like it was just this weird interview of me not being able to believe that, and uh, so I did that for 300 plus episodes. When Classic Loveline ended, there was no more Loveline for everybody, and people were used to that format, and it had probably three times the amount of listeners or more. So I just ended my show and put Classic Loveline in my feed. I just I was kind of done doing it, and then also it it was more important that people have access to that they wanted. So we, I told everybody I could, and we got uh, some of those fans to come over. A lot of them probably just think it's still dead, which is unfortunate. And then uh, Pod Gods was a podcast review show I was doing with this guy named Lax Dude, who's anonymous out of Canada, and he was a poster on the old Corolla boards, and he was the only person who didn't end up hating me for some reason. <laughs> and uh, we do this show where we just review podcasts. And then uh, a few months ago, we just got bored of the format, and uh, we branched out, and now we just talk about all media we consume and do it once every two weeks. Otherwise, we wouldn't talk. All right, so at the end, we want you to kind of list like where all these things are, but uh, uh, just kind of keeping going. Another tough question probably is, uh, what's your all-time funniest Adam Kroll moment, if, or top three, because that's got to be tough. I mean, uh, that episode of Drew's birthday was at 9-27-2000. It's on Loveline, on uh, the YouTube channel, Love Between the Two Hosts, uh, that I created. It's the way he's cackling and they're laughing and they can't, they can't control themselves or that fart lighting episode. Uh, there's some favorite quotes. I love when he said, uh, I'm an atheist serial killer robot about himself. <laughs> um, it's just so many to list and mostly when they're having fun. I love it when Adam and drew are losing their shit and, uh, essentially doing bad radio. Uh, that's my favorite stuff. Yeah. yeah same I, same I here. Love those moments where Adam is on, with a guest even even recently where he laughs hard like you can tell he's he he's dying you know yeah. I, one of my favorites the last year was uh jeff cesario and they were it was harvey weinstein they were talking about him and jeff cesario broke into the uh rookie potted plant you know that harvey weinstein had jerked off into yeah. and, oh, and yeah. adam was fucking dying he was he was legitimately like cackling like you said you know, it's always fun maybe harder than I'd ever heard him. So yeah, yeah. It's nice to hear somebody that's so funny themselves actually get you know some of the laughs that he's given us like back. 
you know? Um, I, I have a, a funny moment. I, I'm curious if you, I, I, Chris, I don't think you remember this, but when Bad Religion came on Loveline and he basically just, he was like, he asked him about the religion and everybody just fucking tensed up. Even Dr. Drew, nobody wanted to talk about it. And he's kind of like, he's like, really? He's like, I'm a fucking atheist. He's like, your, your name is, your band name is Bad Religion and y'all are scared to talk about it. Do you, do you remember that? Yeah, they, they weren't necessarily scared. They just did. Everyone brings up that stuff with them and thinks they're all atheists or thinks they understand them. Bad Religion is my favorite band. So, and always like their crossbuster symbol, people are like, oh, you are hateful. You hate Christians and stuff. And they always have to fight that. Uh, Greg Graffman actually wrote a letter in 2000 to some kids in uh, high school telling, explaining why he should be allowed to wear the crossbuster shirt and that it's not a symbol of hate. And it's just like somebody wearing a what would Jesus do bracelet or something. And then that letter was on the website and you could print it out and bring it into your own high school. So they were just dealing with that nice. for a long time and they're just trying to dispel it. It'd be like somebody asking Dave Coulier about getting blown by Alanis Morissette at, at that point. Yeah, I remember that one. I think I may have actually <laughs> Which I would. Episode. I would love to know about that. I'm pretty sure I recovered that episode and that was in Classic Love Line. So that had been missing forever and now we released yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I I think I think I, I think that might have been where I heard it, actually. Yeah. I think it might have is it on YouTube too or no? I don't know. It's no. probably on the other guy's YouTube channel who took all my files and posted them without permission. Uh, okay, yeah, it, it wasn't that. It wasn't that for sure. <laughs> I'll have it up on my uh, YouTube channel eventually. But yeah, that was that was one of the earliest episodes of Bad Religion, if not their first appearance. So they're feeling mm. Adam out. And, uh, you know, they, they've been on the show a bunch before. And the previous hosts before Adam weren't Adam Carolla. You know, this Ricky Rackman and Poor Man. And oh. Poor Man especially had like a, he had a streak in him where he was dangerous, not in like a cool way, in an unpredictable way where you, you tell him one thing and he might spin it another way. And Rackman would do the same thing just because he... he he wasn't necessarily a talent for radio, so he would just talk and keep running with his mouth until it was time to move on. And what he was saying was kind of bullshit. So I think there was a, a feeling out period with Bad Religion and Adam, but they grew to love him, and they became the most frequent guests besides David Allen Greer during his tenure. Yeah, well, it just felt a little uncomfortable to me. That was like a question they got all the time, and that was really yeah. the, that was in the era of Adam struggling with being the new host in '96, uh, especially oh, okay. like the first episode with a guest, which I think was Mike Muir from Suicidal Tendencies. And uh, I believe that's who it was. Oh, and the it, guy that the guy yeah. that like got physical or no? He was, was he was just, he was like yeah he was like really rough and it, Adam presumes he was friends with Ricky Rackman and Ricky Rackman told him to come in and shit the bed, which is probably what happened. Do, do you think uh, Ricky Rackman is as uh, much of a hack as I do? Yeah, I mean I, I don't hate him or anything, but you know he got the job because he was the guest on Loveline the night poor man pulled that stunt where he went to Kevin Urbine's house and brought a bunch of fans on his lawn, and then producer Ann just panicked and said we just come back tomorrow. So it's not like he was chosen because nice. right he's the best guy for the, the right job. Time. It's just he was convenient. He was there, and that's how it happened. Oh, God. Yeah, it's something we didn't know until uh, recently. We discovered it from these old shows where they talked about it. Otherwise, we would have never known how he actually got that job. So it was just it was just by chance. If any, anybody could have been there that night, if they can talk to him, Mike, she would ask him to come back. Oh, well, that, that, that you're kind of proving my point. He's a fucking hack. Yeah, and then the <laughs> producer Ann kind of backed him as her horse because he helped her out. Oh. So when they were doing the MTV Loveline stuff and Rackman didn't want to work for Loveline, uh, or for MTV rather, or he wanted more money or whatever it ended up being, uh, she basically told him that Adam and Drew were going to do the show without him and went behind their back and kind of screwed them over. Damn. And she told they happened on air and then he busted them on air and said, what were you guys doing over the weekend? And they were doing test shows. And then quickly he announced he would be departing from the show. And his last episode, as Adam said, if... Every episode could have been like his last episode. They would have got along great. Why couldn't he have just been that way the whole time? Yeah, he just seemed like he he tried a little uh, a little bit hard. Uh, Chris, did you want to move on to the next question, or, or was that 
was there? Wow, more? yeah, was, I mean, there's so much information we're packing. I know. I just, I'm listen. I'm totally gonna re-listen to this. Like, but so, times, yeah, but, so we don't go do you, for do you have four any, hours. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we're just trying to keep it flowing so we don't fucking keep you for five days. And by the way, if at any point you're, you know, we're you got a you got a hard out or you got to crash out or anything like that, just just let us know and we'll sure. we'll wrap it. But uh, do you have any favorite bits, past or present, that that stand out to you? Like recurring radio show bits, like like uh, things they do that have segments or just random stuff. Just anything, yeah, anything. I yeah. mean, that, the bits always felt like filler to me, but they often produce funny stuff. So, how say you from the morning show with callers would call in? That's when I started calling. That's uh, pretty integral to me being involved with the show. So that's probably my favorite. Yeah. What What was that? It was just uh, the morning show, the first opening segments, because you know Adam's tired. He would have how say you, and then people would just call in and generate uh, content or topics. And, uh, <laughs> He's efficient. Yeah. Yeah, and I I always love the the callers because they kind of spawn new topics and kind of like what you're saying it's it's you know because there's there's the pocket i actually kind of wish they would take more calls i know some people might uh you know differ in, a, in, in opinion but i i actually like the callers because it kind of generates new kind of pathways for for the for the yeah the, the problem go, is you know? open phone lines on radio versus podcast listeners having to call in based on social media posts and mm-hmm. the call caller pools you get uh which generate you know different percentages of gold versus you know, ass kissing or that guy who wants to call in and tell Adam he didn't coast his motorcycle down a hill. Yeah, most of the, oh yeah, Kent from Phoenix, that douche. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or or a guy the, that wants to call in and plug his, uh, plug his pool business. Yeah. That douche. <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding. That was me. Uh, <laughs> just real quick, we can move. Are you a Phil Henry fan? Uh, a bit, yeah. He blocked me on Twitter for a while, which was really weird. I think I was well, talking about something cruel, right? And I was defending Adam, but he misread it. And then really? he like wrote me some nasty note about why I'll always suck or something. But before what? that, he was, he was following me, and then all of his characters were following me early days of Twitter. Oh my god! And I never god, got to explain to him what happened, and uh, so that like in, in my heart, uh, I, I was like, "Oh, I'll shut him out." But uh, he's, he's super talented, and now he, he yeah. doesn't, he's not blocking me anymore. So whatever happened, maybe he was drunk that night or something. But, so he would uh, at some point he had to unblock you then. Yeah, or he unblocked everybody. Uh, I've done that before too, where I was like, "I, you know, yours." Oh, okay. uh, you're okay. sick as your secrets. You're as sick as your block list. God, that's, oh, that's well, hilarious. I'm yeah, so, so glad I asked that. I was just curious because he's a radio legend. Yeah, no, I, I consider him a legend. But uh, yeah, Jaden does a no. podcast very, you know, kind of in that spirit, just like a one man show, kind of radio. Well, I have guests, some real callers. Voices. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, it's kind of talk mock talk radio. It's kind of similar to his, but I I overdub the track, so we kind of overlap where he does his live so we can't kind of talk at the same time but yeah yeah it's very phil i actually got the idea from an old uh david lee roth bit because he had like a mock radio station back in the day i don't even know how long ago it was or or whatever but i got the idea from that but yeah if, if i was going to compare it to something it would be phil hendry it's called talk time radio it's available on all your favorite podcasts right? but it's <laughs> yeah. uh it's kind of talk radio satire it's just like there talk was a radio podcast called ask mr biggs which was we purposed other people's recordings and then a fake radio show. So let's see how like they're calling the radio show, but they weren't. It sounds very oh, similar to this. Cool. You should check it out if it's still on. Oh, fuck yeah. I'm going to write it down. Call Mr. Biggs. Ask Mr. Biggs. Or ask Mr. Biggs. Not a lot of episodes, if I do remember. It kind of flamed out, but it was a, it was a fan favorite. We used to talk about on Pod Gods quite a bit around 2012-ish. Fuck yeah. Do you, do you have a favorite? I don't, I don't know if this is on the list of questions, but I'm just so curious about you. Do, do you have a, a favorite podcast aside from the whole Ace Universe that you always listen to? Yeah, I mean, uh, one, I, I love Dan Carlin's hardcore history, but I dip yeah. in and out of that. And with him putting stuff behind paywalls and not having it back up, it, 
it makes it, it adds an extra step for I would pay for it, but it's just a pain in the ass. I don't want to deal with it, so I don't go back to it very often. But uh, he was just uh, the voice in that second episode of the new Twilight Zone. He's uh, hosting a podcast that Adam Scott listens to that basically describes his Doom flight he's on. And I was like, oh my god, it's Dan Carlin, it's awesome. Uh, but that's not really a favorite. That's just something I, I recommend to people. Uh, hmm. I love the After Disaster. I love the Film Vault. I helped the Film mm. Vault be a podcast. I I was one of the two guys to record it off free two HD at like mm. five a.m. Sunday mornings back in Honolulu, and I made it into an MP3 and I forced it into a podcast. And then they started actually releasing official podcasts through uh, the CBS Radio with, with Adam's thing, which was kind of cool. Mm. So I'm kind of I'm linked to that in a really weird way. Uh, but I love that's my one of my favorite film podcasts. Uh, right now, I love '80s All Over. It's uh, Drew McWeeny and Scott Weinberg, formerly of Ain't It Cool News. Uh, they have a podcast where they're going back through the 1980s film releases a uh, month at a time. So every every episode is a different month of releases from the 1980s, and uh, nice. I, I love it. It's, it's you hear the old trailers. It's got a great format. They know what they're talking about. It's like a, it has a time travel vibe, similar to classic Loveline. If they cover Touch and Go, uh, an old uh, obscure Michael Keaton movie, they cover um, every I'm single on. movie that came out every single month. So, okay, well, have you ever heard of that movie? I have not. Okay, nobody ever has. That's why I was, you know, I was about to be like, I'm already super impressed, but I was about to fucking. Speaking you know, of drive. Michael Keaton, there's a still frame from uh, Mr. Mom, and I'll send it yeah. to you. It looks exactly like Kalen Bean, and I found it. Really? And I, it was with because, the beard because he has the beard. Yes, but it, it's so yeah. strikingly similar. Uh, Colin Hanks tweeted it out on like Father's Day. He's like, "Thanks, Dad." He was making fun of his dad, Tom Hanks. And I was like, oh my God, that's Kalen. So I sent it to Kalen. And then I go, hey, Kalen, didn't you notice anything? He goes, what? You sent me a picture of myself. Oh my God. <laughs> I was like, no, yeah, man. I, 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 I don't Michael remember Keaton, that Mr. flannel Mom. shirt. And then I joke with yeah. him, like, are you sure your dad's your dad? <laughs> like, does your mom know Michael Keaton and Michael B? <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> he's, you know like, he's like, I'm, I'm going to go mess with my dad and tell him about this. And it, it was a really funny moment we had. What's funny about that is I, for the first uh, couple months that we did this podcast, I don't even know if I mentioned it to Chris, I had Mr. Mom playing in the background on mute. For some fucking weird every episode just big, or just one episode? Uh, uh, no, for like uh, a full month or two. I just because uh, it was the DVD was in my PlayStation. And I just had it on mute in the background, and then I switched it to Johnny Dangerously. So now I have this theme of just playing old Michael Keaton movies on mute in the background while I'm, you know. What was that I, podcast I, uh, they did? Those two guys like, from New Zealand or somewhere where they watched Grown Ups two every week for fifty two weeks. Oh, he was in that? No, no, that was just another podcast where they did something oh, okay. like that, where they had the same movie playing. I tried to listen. It wasn't as good. It got a lot of press, but uh, it was just them like really complaining about how terrible this movie was that they forced upon themselves. Oh, okay. Uh, this next question, I think you kind of, he, didn't he kind of already answer it, Chris? The, the uh, About the Corolla Classics? Yeah, I don't remember if this uh, was I on think or... it might have been before that, but yeah, so you know, the topic of favorites. So yeah, everybody loves this uh the new Corolla Classics podcast. So I think you guys did like a best of last summer when they were on break. And then that, was, that wasn't a Corolla Classics thing. They just, or, kind, of asked me, just kind of a best of. Yeah. They, they just yeah. asked me to pick some clips and stuff. Then they've been sitting on the Corolla Classics title for a while. I think it was Mike Lynch's baby, but nobody could figure out what to do with it. And this seemed like the best way to present best of content. So people couldn't say, oh, you're just playing the same uh, interview with. You know, so-and-so over and over again. Oh, you're talking about Breaking Bad from 2009. I don't want to hear this. So now we could highlight stuff that people were missing. You know, it, it's uh, it's really fun, but it's a labor of love. I was up till 5 a.m. finishing the clips because of how swamped I've been. And then we recorded the intros at 9, and then I misspoke in the intro and said celebrity apprentice as opposed to celebrity who wants to be a millionaire. 
And uh, again, that's going to be like my TPS report. So I'm going to be hearing about that probably all week. And that's the Saturday, April 6th episode. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a great idea. Everybody loves it. So the best of was also over the Christmas break. I guess it was called the best ofs at that point. Yeah. Just doing those clips. I loved it because there were a lot of, a lot of interviews that I had not heard before because I started, you know, I really started listening to ACS in like 2011. So there's a lot of old stuff that, yeah, I was, and you forget was, stuff great, and people so. miss stuff and there's like people dipping in and out with the show for whatever reason uh they have it, it, it i find it helpful it even helps me because i'll go back and I'm like oh yeah this is even funny to remember or oh i forgot about this one thanks for the yeah you know suggestion yeah that comes so. up on our show because it is it is very interesting to us that you know people remember different things yeah. you know so like jane remembers the asia tyler eating sweet potatoes i don't but there's things I remember that he doesn't. Eh, it's a lot of people skip the guest hosted episodes too. Yeah. Uh, that might be ha- what it There was. haven't been that many, I guess, you know, there there's, I think there's over 16, 16. Well, nice. I guess that's how you know you're a fucking pretty, fan. It's pretty infrequent though. The last, Oh yeah. Eight or nine they, they did it uh year one or year two. They did like five or six of them. Then they did it again. And uh, they haven't really done it much since. I think the last one I can remember is Jim O'Hare when he called Gina's breast pendulous. Just say that, yeah. He was okay. trying to be complimentary, and then she made fun of his man boobs, which was totally embarrassing. <laughs> I don't know how he finished yeah. the show. I would have just started crying. Yeah, well, I've always I wanted to hear guy. I love that guy. I've always wanted to hear the episode of uh, where Brody Stevens hosted, and didn't he get like a bunch of shit or something? Like, yeah, we, we put that in one of the Cruel Classics. Actually, I, I put it in uh, to show people. So we put it in the episode where he came on and discussed all the feedback and what he learned about podcasting because of mistakes mm-hmm. he made by doing it the way he did. And then I put a clip in from that actual episode. That's actually a pretty decent chunk of an interview with Daniel Harris, who's never come back on the show. And we, we actually asked Chris <laughs> about that. He explained the behind the scenes stuff and how they, they all reacted when Brody showed up with his tambourines. And they're like, uh, uh, Oh, so it was, so it was as bad as, as Brody was making yeah, it sound. I mean, it, it's more, it's almost like, uh, now when you, when you reflect on it, it's like like avant-garde art piece. Like he's like doing uh what's his face? Uh, you know, a taxi. Oh, oh, uh, uh, Jim Carrey played him. It escaped me at the moment. Oh yeah, Andrew Andy, Andy, Andy Kaufman. And, yeah, Andy Kaufman. Yeah, so doing like an Andy Kaufman almost thing. It's, it's okay. That's that's kind of that. cool. Now it's more that that uh, that's actually kind of intriguing. I, I love that type of stuff. Yeah, no, it, it's it, like it, kind it, of performance performance art. I mean, that's kind of what my other podcast is. You know, yeah, Co- people call should, in and I piss. You might want to check you know? out the whole episode. It's kind of sad too that he had such a harsh reaction. I didn't I didn't give him any shit on Twitter. I thought better of it at the time, and I don't like to get involved with that kind of stuff. So I, I stayed yeah. out of it. I didn't like the episode. Well, rest the time. in peace. You know. Yeah, going back, it though, it's, it's it's it has some interesting moments, and it's a cool departure from the show. Okay, I want to show. Do you know about what year that was? Oh yeah, the that's disaster a, episode. That's a 2010 episode, I believe. I can pull it right up for you. Oh, was it that long? Okay. Yeah, I was thinking came back because, in like 14 to explain what happened. Yeah. Okay. Then that's what I, I guess I was thinking. Maybe it was like a year or two before, but it turns out it was like four. Apparently, it's in a cruel classics we put out. Uh, I can find out which one for you, and I'll, I'll give you a link. Yeah. So the second part of this question was, and I, I think you told us this off air, but uh, somebody wanted to know. If you and uh, if you and, and Loxamana record in the in the same studio, no, uh, we do it remotely. Same pod gods mm-hmm. technique I use. Uh, it's a dual sync. Uh, we record on each side. We talk over Skype, and then one of us pairs it together, and then he builds the final show. And uh, that's what you hear. Uh, I have a how to make a podcast on Skype video on my YouTube channel. I'll give you the mm-hmm. link to it. Uh, it has all the steps. Yeah, you sent it to us. I I, st- or I think wasn't that the link you sent us? Uh, yeah. 
a little bit early. Yeah, we'll we'll try to get that on there too. That, that's pretty cool. I'm gonna fucking dissect that. So uh, yeah, has um, are there any ace guests that you that you really disliked? Once again, you don't have to answer. We're just so curious. You know? No, I remember when I saw I didn't know who Ben Shapiro was, and I saw him on the calendar build his boy genius Ben Shapiro in like 2010, and I was like, who's this fucking asshole? boy genius i'm smarter than this guy i'm the i'm the young genius around here and i was really i was really bent out of shape by the way mike august listed it and i heard the episode i'm like oh <laughs> he's just like some political guy okay but i have no i have no and like he's not he, like, he I, don't, really I, don't, I don't agree with him or disagree with him or have any like real opinion he's fine yeah I, i've grown to like him but yeah he can be a little fucking shit especially probably back because i didn't realize he was around that long i mean in yeah it was, it was a while ago so yeah but mike august has been following this guy since he was a young man Oh wow, he, he's pretty. He's just, pretty accomplished, though. I've we just talked about him last episode. I think he just kind of came up with with Kyle. I think, yeah. But there's yeah, no other guests on, I dislike really. Uh, really, not even Matt Atchity didn't follow me back on Twitter and seemed kind of weird. And I think it's because <laughs> I put RT instead of Rotten Tomatoes to save time in the sidebars. Not saying it's RT.com. I was just abbreviating the site he worked on, but. He left them without any loyalty, so I can't imagine it's that. Uh, he used to also comment like the "ask me anything" when Adam's on there. Matt actually would also be on there. Like I never said that, and, like adding stuff, and it's like, what? Why are you getting involved in this? So I don't know yeah. Matt Atchity, but uh, I don't think he likes me, so I put that in there, I guess. Well, as a third party guy that doesn't give a fuck, he's a cunt. <laughs> I, I, I personally, I'm not a big fan of like movie criti- or somebody that makes a living out of criticizing movies that hasn't actually made but i don't think he even criticize movies he just goes to companies that do so he's just one of these guys who want to drop i'm really i'm really proud of his weight loss i thought that was really impressive what he did and like they made fun of him as a schlubby guy that had to at least partially motivate him to get healthy so that was really cool to yeah. watch well, well, uh, what about i love david wild i was like, just gonna uh you love david wild yeah he's a really sweetheart of a guy uh, i mean i don't i don't agree with everything he says or everything he did on the show and i miss him and i wish they never got in that fight and i hope he comes back but uh, he's a he's a really big fan and uh, a nice person. I, All right, that's Giovanni, everybody. No, uh, I I, <laughs> I miss I miss the the behind the scenes that he used to do, and I didn't really appreciate like the the argument. I think at the time I didn't realize that it was going to be his last last appearance. On I the didn't show. realize it either. I just it was it was kind of a dumb argument that needed to be had, and it was I, weird because he would kind of he was like your uncle at thanksgiving dinner that wanted to you know talk politics like he just kept everybody's got this it. point with adam where guest fan listener where they decide that i'm gonna stick my dig my feet in and we're gonna argue this out and i'm not gonna be involved with them anymore and a lot of fans do it so I, a lot of fans that drop off will write to me and be like oh i quit listening after all these years you know adam's just become this or that He's always hardcore Republican. And like they like dump it on me, like I'm supposed to solve it for him. But I see those douches on Twitter. Yeah. But I mean, it, it's, it happens with every podcast. Every podcast you listen to, the host is going to evolve or change, or you're going to think they have, or they're going to get annoying because they say the same shit. I've heard every episode of Joe Rogan's podcast. If you want to talk about repetition, like that mm. podcast is in comedy, but it's not a comedy show. It's, it's not funny. There's not maybe two episodes I've laughed out loud at, maybe, and those have Adam in them. Uh, so it, it's just, it's a, you know, it depends. It's, people have different point of view on this stuff, but they're usually wrong when they leave the show and they're like, "I'm not listening anymore because Adam's this or that." It's it's more about them. Yeah, I don't even yeah. think that he, you know, had a problem with David Wild's opinion. It was just more that like he just he just kept bringing it up out of the blue. It was, well, he was trying to he, he was trying was, to push that same tired like narrative, and I just like I, I was first. I actually was a big fan of that. I was glad that he leaned to him. I I thought he could have leaned into him harder. Well, the, I kind you know, of David Wilde has over 100 appearances. He's the most frequent guest on the show's history. So he right. got the most appearances. And there were, there were, he wasn't coming on as like some you know paid thing or anything like that. He was just a guest who was a fan. 
and he came on and it, it actually he brought lots of amazing guests on the show because of him. And mm-hmm. we got to hear from all kinds of people we never would have heard from before and got some insight into some of the stuff he was doing. So I, I'm just nice dude. I wish he was still on the show, but, uh, there was a bunch of like digging he would do. It's the same thing Greg Fitzsimmons does, which I love Fitzsimmons, but mm-hmm. he'll always do this thing when he comes on cruel show where he goes, you're a racist, Adam, you, you know, you, you're, you'll say that. And then he'll make a joke <laughs> about Asian people. Like he'll immediately follow that up with his own racist joke. And he's not being ironic. It's this thing of like, no, I'm, I'm this liberal X, Y, Z. I can make this joke because it's coming from a good place and you're a racist. And he'll do that. And like, it's a, it's oh, kind of Jane, Jane has yeah. a good, awkward. Yeah. Well, I was actually, moment, right? cause, cause the next, the next question, I'm, I'm going to actually tie these together. The next question is about uh, cringiest moments that you remember. I remember one, do you remember when Fitzsimmons brought up, he, he basically asked Adam, what he makes off Mangria, like on the fucking air. Yeah. You remember this is probably like 2015. He's like, yeah, so how do, how do you, how do you, how do you make, it? actually got one of the characters names from my pot who I was just on tonight. He goes, uh, he goes, yeah, somebody told me you're making a killing off of the Mangria. And Adam just goes, Akbar the terrorist. <laughs> <laughs> and it's cause like who brings that? He, he was, he literally brought up, he was trying to bring up specific numbers on the air. And I'm just sitting there fucking dying. This was before I had Adam's anybody fine with talk. numbers, but this was right in the heart of uh, the original Mangria maker uh, murdering the guy. Like there was actually a killing that happened because of it. Yeah. And they were going to kill yeah. Mike August supposedly too. So I, maybe at that time he wasn't making anything because that guy ripped them off. So you think he's okay with bringing up like actual numbers of what he's making? Yeah, I mean he shows on his, the air. You know, he'll show his tax return. It stops you know ten years prior to the whatever, but he'll, he's well, yeah. numbers. Well, yeah, but well, so he stopped at some point once he started getting into the real dough. No, I so I don't think the, that 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 shows his real dough. I mean, he, I think if anything, it'll show a dip in dough. So it'll show, you know, it'll it would actually be less at some points. But uh, in terms of that period of time, I don't know if he was actually getting any money from Mangria because of being robbed from that criminal. So that was probably oh, yeah. more of a touchy subject. But I mean, if somebody asked him, I, th- I think if he, I don't even know if he knows, so he probably knows percentages yeah, or this. <laughs> Lynette Lynette runs the business now. Uh, Corolla Drinks. Oh, okay. We'll have to ask and then her. also involving Fitzsimmons was the time he tried to get him to drink on stage. And Fitz, Fitzy got like super weird, right? Yeah, there's was two times. Overly- there's one time that happened in the studio and it was because uh, Adam forgot that he was sober. And there's like, yeah, but you're, you're, you know, you haven't drank in 20 years. You're not sober, sober. And also Fitzsimmons admits to smoking pot. He had a bit of a pill problem a little while ago. He talks about his show. So it's his sobriety isn't some like holy thing. You know, it's his, it's his personal business and I'm not, I'm not judging him anyway. But for Adam to bring it up and for him to be offended, that first time, hilarious. Second time, he got really dramatic and weird on stage. And then a fan hit yeah. me up on Twitter about it. And I responded to him and I gave him a really thought out response. And I thought, oh, you're not following me. You're just trying to set me up and bait me. So I'll say something and somebody will get mad at me and then I'll get bitched out. So I just deleted it. But uh, yeah. yeah, you know, it's it's up, it's up between it's, him it, and Fitzdog, but I, I think it's uh, silly. It's weird to do that live. And just on the, on this third note, and then we'll get to one that, that, that you might have in mind. Do y'all remember the Todd Glass moment where he, the... I think it was the the retard argument. Yeah, Todd Glass is kind of a douche. Is it? Am I alone on this? No, he, he, Todd he does that like to every cool podcast guy. host. He went through oh. his woke phase, but the problem oh, with God. that is Adam went to his heart attack charity benefit, which was a benefit because he wouldn't pay for health insurance because he's notoriously cheap. He tried to get his mom a free car from Subaru and then badmouth Subaru when they didn't give it to her, and then they finally did. He's just that's 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 Todd Glass. That's what he does. So it's just it, so somebody came cunt. to a benefit for me to give me uh, pay off my ambulance bill because I smoked pot with Sarah Silverman. And had a heart attack at a comedy club, probably wouldn't say anything shitty about them. But that, that brings me over to Andy Kindler. 
Andy Kindler, I was a fan of him. He's a comedian's comedian, even though he's not talented. If you go watch old King of Queens episodes, he makes Patton Oswalt look like, uh, you know, Alec Guinness or some, some like crazy good actor. Oh, that's the guy that, that came, he came up recently where he talked, he was talking, like yeah, he, he always is something. And he, I guess he does that to like a comedian every year or something. Yeah. We did it twice to Adam. And what's weird about that is he came on the show and he bombed. And so maybe they should have had him on in the studio. They shouldn't have had him for a live show, but Mike August books those. So whatever. And he's supposed to be a stand-up comedian. So he bombed in front of an audience who aren't all Adam fans. They're just a comedy fan who were at the audience. You know, most of them are Adam fans, but people are to see a show and he couldn't be funny. If you listen to them, he literally gets groans. Adam tries to make it funny. They comment on it. Adam's nice to him the whole time. So he humiliated himself live on air twice. And then he went to a industry event and declared Adam as Hitler and made up a bunch of shit and just basically shit on Adam in front of his industry peers and probably cost him untold amount of money. Adam will touch on that and say, you know, there probably is a case here. Somebody could argue this. No, he literally cost him business and painted him as somebody he isn't. And it was done for these really petty, envious reasons that I can't forgive. So I, I can't appreciate his work anymore. He's just kind of a mean person. I used to follow him around, listen to every podcast he was on. And it, he just kind of revealed what his true character is. And he's like, oh, I did my profession in front of this audience and I humiliated myself. So I'll make sure I'll invalidate them. So then that never happened. All right. Well, that, that makes me think of uh, something else, a cringiest moment on Howard Stern just in the last few months, David Allen Greer. You know, yeah, well, that's because yeah, I was going to ask you how you felt about him. Yeah, what but, the? That's because of Twitter. Adam likes tweets for bookmarking purposes. He doesn't understand how social media works. He didn't follow those accounts that he follows. That was done by Katie and uh, Logan, original interns. So they picked whoever was popular on Twitter at the time and followed a bunch of accounts. Uh, probably why he follows me, and they, of course he was following them for a while. I don't know if he still is. And so those those aren't Adam's picks. So if you look at who he follows, you could be like, oh, he's not following me back, which I don't think he's, I don't know if he's following Dag or not, but he's missing a whole bunch of guests he should be following because he doesn't use it that way. And I, I just myself recently got somebody wrote to me and they go, oh, so you hate Donald Trump or you don't like this because like, I like the tweet. I was like, no, no, I just, I would, I was bookmarking the tweet for whatever reason. It's not your business. So I don't you talk think about politics. So that's that's why Dag called him a right wing troll? Yes, because he's liking the tweets of James Woods, which are read on air, but Dag doesn't listen to the show. Oh, you think that's just it? I, I, I think that's the majority that. of that. But it, I mean, oh, okay. Dag also does this. He did the thing with Drew where he pretended that uh, Drew, he hated Drew for years and Drew was having like panic attacks about it. It was just a made up bit. So oh, Dag God. does some silly stuff. But this is when you say right wing troll, you're talking about his social media use. And then when he's on the air with Adam, he'll, he'll say stuff to like the last couple times when Adam but will say something. That was a long time ago. He hasn't been on in a while. Yeah, the last two episodes, he made some comment about Adam, like talking about black fathers or something. It was, it was you know, it came up, but uh, I, it's, it's unfortunate. I love David Allen Greer, but I'm, I'm with Adam on it. It's, if somebody wants to make something up about you, you can't go chasing after him all the time. Yeah, that's I what that was, that was. That's. I thought that was like this Andy guy. I mean, it's damaging to uh, label it's someone defamation. a right wing. That, that's less, less damaging because it's his personal opinion. He said on a show as opposed to a you know a giant comedy event where all the buyers and sellers and all the executives are there, and you're breaking down why this guy's like Hitler. Nobody's going to touch anybody you're comparing to Hitler. Yeah, especially I mean, these days. That is uh, that costs you money. Yeah, sure. it's, 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 yeah. Well, either way, you never know who's listening. You know, whether it's on Howard Stern or like like Geo saying you know, on, on, on that stage or whatever, but I've never been a, a DAG fan. I think he tries way too hard and he thinks that louder is funnier. 
And I there's just some, never... there's some DAG visits that are better than others, but uh, his the yeah. one where he uh, tragic or the one on Loveline where he showed up and he revealed that his girlfriend was cheating on him, and then he had to cough the names, and it was Cuba Gooding Jr., Tom Sizemore, <laughs> and one other dude. Oh, that's uh, some. She's got some range. Yeah, there's one other dude. <laughs> she, he's like he's banging half of Hollywood, and then he coughed all the names. I, I'm spaced on the other dude's name at the moment because I'm so tired. I wasn't but sure if he was serious about that. It was Andy, oh, Andy Kindler. No, he was serious. Wait, he, was, he, he was serious. We didn't uh, know it was uh, Tom Sizemore. No, we didn't know it was Cuba because we couldn't decipher that cough. And then years later, Anderson goes, remember when dad came on? He said the three people his girlfriend was sleeping with. And then he mentioned them all on air. I was like, oh, that third one's Cuba Gooding Jr. Okay, we now know that one. Uh, but this happens to Adam all the time. When he did real time for the first time, the only visit he's been on, despite doing politically incorrect 20 plus times, because Bill Maher thinks that Adam is uh, right wing or he was for a time he was mad about Kimmel taking over the slot or whatever he was doing to... Be pissed at Adam. He, Adam shows up. He doesn't get a full segment. He comes down the middle of it next to Olivia Wilde, uh, Mary Elise Cockburn, real name. Uh, and instead of letting Adam talk, he goes, Adam, you're a gun guy. Adam's not a gun guy. And so Adam has to backtrack and backpedal and go, well, my wife gave me guns. The reason Bill Maher did that is because Olivia Wilde doesn't like gun guys. So the whole time, her, her, you see her face sour. And then Adam's trying to explain he's not a gun guy, but Bill Maher had to just cock block him. Even though Bill Maher's not going to fuck Olivia Wilde, Adam's not going to fuck Olivia Wilde. But Bill Maher had to do that, even though it's not true. That doesn't surprise me at all about Bill Maher. That doesn't it's just, surprise it, me at all. It just, it's lazy. And people do it to Adam all the time. It's what fans do. So I'm so used to it because I've, I've literally heard from hundreds or thousands of fans writing to me telling me they're done with Adam. And, oh, they only like Love Line. They only like this era of Adam because he used to be this way. And I, I've met Adam. Mm-hmm. I know Adam is not a racist. His political views are basically the same as they were 20 years ago, maybe a little more nuanced. But they're they're just the, the world twisted. So his views that were neutral or super left-wing in 98 are now viewed as right-wing. Or yeah. conservative. Well put. Yeah. Well because it gets pushed yeah. right over time. Yeah. yeah that, 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 well as put. people spin one way on their axis and go super left, they turn right themselves. And Adam, Adam's stuff is like, as Drew always says, is based in logic. If you heard the recent Adam and Drew show, he's basically saying, yeah, if two people are going to die or my kid, I'll kill my kid to save those two strangers. And people just don't understand. Like, even <laughs> Drew came back to the next episode and he goes, you said something that's been troubling me. And he's like, you said you would let your oh, son. And like, Drew's like, I wouldn't do that. And Adam's like, well, it's not, it's not fair. And it's just, it's a supreme logic of what's fair. Yeah. yeah he's aggressively, aggressively logic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's it, he puts it in practice. It's not bullshit. He's just, that's how he is. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd say me and Chris are pretty much the same, which is, uh, you know, I would imagine why we're such big Adam fans is that that was kind of what drew us to. We've realized over. Oh, I let a hundred people die podcast. before my dog dies. So I'm, I'm not that way at all. That's not me. Like, I, oh yeah. I, I'd, I'm biased. Yeah, I think I love, I lo- you know, how uh, clinical Adam is with his logic or his pragmatism. Yeah, I love that. There's yeah. there's a core honesty or a uh, great magnet, you know, uh, as Drew says, it's, it's like from the cosmos or something. It's just weird. Yeah. It's, it's, it's unnatural in a weird way, but it comes from his parents. You know, I had, I had a Chris and Jim mom and dad too. Mine were like mm-hmm. 30% more abandoning and abusive than his. So I totally get where he comes from with that. And uh, I, I, that's what I, I relate to most, I think. I had one and yeah, one. Same here. I had one and one. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Bill, uh, Bill Mark, his jokes are so hacky and lazy. I, 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 I there wasn't even... written for him. He's, you know, pothead. He's, he's, Adam says his delivery is flawless. I find his delivery is a lot of fumbles and he's just, he's reading stuff. It's, just, he's Bill Maher. He's not, yeah. uh, not the I, best at anything, but I like to I, guess he has some on, uh, on sometimes, but yeah, his, his monologue or his jokes are just so hacky. Yeah, I, yeah. I I quit watching a couple of years ago, right after maybe a year after he kind of screwed Adam over on air. I was just like, oh, I don't need to watch this anymore. But I've I've kind of wa- stopped watching everything. I haven't had TV since 2012, so now I just uh, uh, selectively watch what uh, strikes my fancy. 
Yeah, I would love to see how well Bill Maher does in in a in in like a neutral crowd, like an uh, yeah, like they just yeah. randomly select people because he gets fucking standing ovation. He could fucking rip ass on stage and he'll get a, a standing ovation. <laughs> That's true, you know. So it kind of puts him up on this pedestal. I would he just love, love to see how he's pretty decent. Uh, some no, he is funny. He's funny. There was a politically he's... incorrect they did from a prison with David Cross from that Arizona prison with that uh, horrible sheriff that made them wear pink underwear. That stands in my mind. It was really uh, pretty great. The prisoners really seemed to like Bill and David Cross because David Cross told the sheriff basically to fuck himself. And the sheriff said he'd throw him in there with other prisoners. And oh, David, Sheriff David, Joe. David, yeah, David dared him <laughs> to do it. And he just basically nice. said how he dehumanizes people and stuff. So there's some great moments. But, you know, Bill Maher is like a struggling comedian. He's not Jay Leno level. He's not uh, David Letterman level. He's starring like shitty '80s movies and stuff, and uh, he just worked his way up. And I mean, yeah, he's a lucky, lucky fucker for a dude with a lot of acne scars <laughs> who looks like Freddy Krueger and isn't that funny? <laughs> uh, he's done a lot in life. That's true. Yeah. So, all right. So, this is a, a, a set of a couple questions that we ask each of our guests. You know, which are just you know Adam Carolla fans, listeners. So, number one, what is one thing you really disagree with Adam on? I'm, hmm. Uh, well, I mean, uh, his take on um, movies, superhero movies, and video games isn't as nuanced as I'd hope. Uh, he he would be great with an Android phone, but he goes to iPhone and Apple because people around him convinced him to do that. So there's the stuff like that. But, I mean, there's no political issue or something that's going to be a dividing line. I don't believe in that stuff where people are like, you know, people accept their moms and dads and friends and family having different views than them, but the radio show host can't agree with them 99% of the time. It's like, no, you don't agree with me 100%, so I got to cut you out of my life. So, Well, no, it doesn't have to be divisive or divisive or whatever, but just any anything that you disagree. I mean, I just disagree with him on very little, but I never let it be the deciding factor in whether or not I'm going to be a fan. I mean, because people disagree on... He, he doesn't understand video games or uh, yeah. certain genres of filmmaking. and He, yeah, he would be so good at them, too. He'd be so good with his hypervigilance, dude. Imagine him on fucking GTA. Oh, he, he does. He does play games. He plays racing simulators, but they're not simulators. Like he's, he's got Gran Turismo, and you know he's got he's got a few other things in there. So he, he does play games for racing, which I, I'm the, I, behind the scenes. I talked him into for years, and then of course they go over to Forza. Microsoft was willing to put his cars in and kind of come on the show. And Gran Turismo were a bunch of Japanese guys that want nothing to do with him. But I was trying to explain that Gran Turismo is probably more his speed with his car preferences. But uh, for yeah. years, I was telling him why he needed to use a simulator and like talking about uh, different corners, Laguna Seca with him and like endurance races and stuff. And he's like, how the hell do you know this? And then some other fan or some some guest or something told him about it. And he'll reference that person. But I was actually the first one to talk to him about it. Well, what about uh, you, you, the, the, you remember Destruction Derby? Yeah. That was fucking great. Woo! Ooh, that game was badass. What was the game that he was involved with? Oh, well, in Forza, was they it? have a bunch of his cars. What What was it? In Forza. Forza Motorsports on Xbox. They have some of his cars oh, okay. scanned. He, into did the a, he did an ad for him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, they, they, yeah. they really kind of kicked in and supported CarCast, and uh, they stepped up. So as much as I'm biased or loyalist to Sony, I have to show some respect for them, uh, including Adam. So yes. what about the, the Beastie Boys always comes up? Jaden hates them. Adam hates them. I like them. Um, I'm more of a fan of what they accomplished than their music. I, I mean, I don't, I don't ever listen to music myself. Uh, and it's kind of weird that you don't, I mean, intergalactic's kind of a classic and everything, all their late eighties stuff. They disowned, uh, Dr. Bruce's favorite album is Paul's boutique, which is a very interesting tidbit. Uh, that's very telling. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, it, it, I mean, they're, they're legitimately talented and uh, nah. they can play instruments. So they just, you know, it's, it's, 
But again, who who listens to them all the time? Even hardcore fans who tell me they love the Beastie Boys, I'll ask them, hey, do you got their uh, Criterion uh, DVD video collection where they have the commentary and they're ordering vegan pizza? And they're like, what are you talking about? It's like, well, even I own that. So how big of a fan are you? All right. So that's yeah, good. Uh, so we, we also usually ask, what would Adam hate about you? But since you know him, is there anything he gives you shit about? Uh, on air, they make fun of me for uh, being like overweight or, uh, Jesus. Huh, let's see. That's mostly Brian. Is uh, Brian's got his own issues with that. Cause he was overweight. Um, nothing really. I mean, they don't really give me that much shit. They're, they kind of dance around. I could take a lot more of it. Adam had this great thing. Once we were at a live show in Chicago and somebody's like complaining about super fan Giovanni. And he goes, well, I love super fan Giovanni. He knows everything, but there's some things he doesn't know. He's like, what's my wife's pussy smell like? You don't know that one. <laughs> oh god alright so uh, one of our listeners and uh, one of our previous guests Jeff Lovin also asked what's your favorite Adam project or job of all time radio TV podcast probably has to be Loveline just because how uh, you know basically yeah. 20 years of my life are going to be that spent makes sense. restoring sure. it yep but I find that every project he does is the next evolution of his uh, abilities and uh, I I don't like to think about what point he can't be better than it used to be because he always outshines his old stuff. So there's stuff on the podcast that's way funnier in Loveline. There's stuff on the radio show that's funnier in Loveline. But all three of them have different properties that are amazing. I, I love the Adam Carolla project that nobody likes. Or not, I'm sorry, Too Late with Adam Carolla, the one that nobody likes. I love those old interviews. People don't like them. I love the 1780s guys bits they did, the interstitials. Oh, I've been yeah. trying to talk them into doing a 1920s guy bit with just filming around the, the studio, walk around the toilets outside in the street, and then have Matt Fondelier wear an old-timey suit and do his uh, 1920s guy voice, and then have him just bring up a topic, and then Adam just shrug his shoulders and go, eh? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just what 70 Days guy was, and this way you completely own the bit, and you have you know your assistant can do the 1920s voice, so you don't have to hire an actor to come play Ben Franklin or whatever. Nice. Well, all right, so yeah, I think I've watched some of that, the Adam Crowley, Project or, Project was the home yeah. building. Too late was the Comedy Central half hour interview series. Yeah, that was the one where Steve O um, broke the table and uh, yeah, Charlie Murphy kind of gave a nothing interview. It's a little bit better than Adam remembers, but yeah, he wasn't really participating. Yeah, what I loved about that Steve O bit is because uh, uh, you know Adam always talks about his his great balance and kind of core strength. If you if you look closely at that clip, Steve O has basically he has the leverage on him and he's not able to to pick Adam up and push him over. Yeah. Adam actually gets out of it, moves out of the way, and Steve-O flies over the back. It's fucking great. Uh, yeah, I mean, Steve-O was at a weird time. Like, after that, he went on a podcast and said that Adam Carolla was trying to fuck Cat D or Cat Von D and, like, cock-blocking him. And I was like, no, Adam's married. He's not trying to fuck the tattoo lady that he's not attracted to. And, like, he went on, like, all the accusations, Adam. He was really fucked up on drugs at the time. So uh, hmm. I really like sober Steve-O now. Yeah, yeah. I actually saw him. He was here in Austin when he recorded his special. That guy is fucking insane. Yeah, I mean, been, he, you know, he, he's been doing that stuff on stage for years. I remember in like 2000, oh he had those too late for two off for TV or whatever uh, specials he did where he got ripped off, where he's like, you know, stapling his ball sack and all that. But he came on oh Love Line like 06, 07. Some doctor told him that he had a failing heart and he was going to die. Like, I mean, imminently. And he was like, this is terrible. He told Drew, and Drew's like, we got to get you a different consultation. And like Drew says, callers will call up and go, yeah, sorry about that, Steve-O, but let me tell you about my ball smell. And like mm. nobody cared about him as a human being. It's a really sad moment. Oh, my God. All right, so we have another listener. Her name's Catherine Deming, 
and she wanted to know what what keeps you busy in regular life like if you have a significant other dating married whatever yeah so uh, nobody right now I haven't, I haven't been on a date since uh, Houston I deleted all my dating apps after a couple uh, disastrous dates in Houston I was like Ugh, no no thanks so I don't think I've been on a date since uh, geez 2014 now oh my god five years almost five years uh, so uh, single I got my dogs I bought my first dog when I turned 30 in 2014 mm. uh, he passed away in December from an enlarged heart which may be from the apartments I was living at uh Spraying unlicensed uh, glycophosphate and some other pesticides and stuff that he may have eaten Sorry off the grass. Yeah, it, it was heartbreaking. I, I thought I knew tragedy from like girls leaving and relationships ending and that kind of heartbreak. But the dog death thing—I just—I never had a dog my entire life, so that that crushed me for over a month. I was I was bad. But uh, I bought a new puppy, yeah. uh, not to replace him, just because I missed having a second dog. My mm-hmm. other dog Rufus is—he uh, was featured on Allison Rosen's podcast. After she parted ways, she did this thing where she would uh, feature a homeless dog uh, on her podcast each week. And I talked about Rufus for a few months. And I, I was like, oh, man, somebody's got to save this dog. And uh, nobody was going to do it. And then they got to his last day and said, he's, he's on his last day. They're going to put him down. So I cashed in a bunch of favors and uh, spent a bunch of money I didn't have on credit. And I uh, got him shipped from Downey, California to Houston. And he showed up at 44 pounds. Uh, he was hateful. He hated my other dog. He hated me. And... Uh, now he's about 100 pounds, and he's the happiest old man ever. Nice. But yeah. the dog You're walks a fucking take superhero. a good portion of my day, and then I have a day job, which I try to get no pay on to work on Loveline as much as I can. So I'm basically 24 hours a day working. I, I, I sleep two to eight hours if I'm lucky, but usually I have to get up every hour to flip a tape, so I'll have to set an alarm for every 60 minutes or so so I can get up and flip a tape because these new decks don't auto-flip because uh, – they only play one direction uh, to give you better playback quality. Hmm. Damn, man. Jesus Christ. I'll tell you what. Did I, I mention have, I, I once a, put out a small brush fire? Huh. Did I mention that? I oh, saved right. two puppies in, in Houston, too, which was really weird. <laughs> I, I will I say, two yeah, puppies I, also. Uh, one of my past dogs that uh, had to put down last year was uh, a Katrina rescue dog. Oh. Like She was uh, rescued from... Uh, you know, New Orleans by some group in Arkansas, like this this dog saving group in Arkansas, and then she got transferred to the Dallas Fort Worth SPCA or Humane Society, and yeah, adopted her. And yeah, she was like a wreck, you know, like really skittish at the time. And then uh, just yeah, by the time she passed, she was really happy, and uh, you know, spent a lot of good times with her kids. And we got another dog that really brought out like. You know, she was so skittish, but then we got another dog, and then she would protect that dog. We'd go to the dog park, and if some other dog would like, you know, come up to him and and sniff him or you know, kind of act aggressive, she would just go nuts. Like she, you know, just brought out this bravery in her that. Uh, yeah, it was, anyway, it's a good story. That's cool. It's cool how it's cool how like aware dogs can be, you know. But uh, not to you know, I could I could talk about dogs all day, but just, we're kind of. Yeah. going long so yeah. we wanted to be sure we get everybody's question in so taylor crampton um our our uh requisite gay fellow wants to know uh do you still listen to every episode or like do you enjoy it as much as you always have yeah i, I was listening to uh this week's uh, i was i was like a few hours behind on the aj benz episodes so by the time i listened they just posted the new one for the next day 
So I listened to AJ Ben's episode, and AJ's one of these guys who I want to be biased against because I didn't like him punching Stuttering John. But if I think about it, I really don't give a shit about his Howard Stern performance and how they edited that, and it has nothing to do with me. But I just always assumed he was kind of like this, you know, D-list hack who wants to peddle other people's Hollywood hardship stories and and get a career off that. But when he comes on Corolla Show, he's super engaged. He listens. Yeah, he actually absolutely. listens and yeah. participates on a level few other guests do. Yeah, he is engaged. Like R.J. Bell, I always wonder if he listens because he seems he brings up things. You know, yeah, I think he does. Yeah, he brings I up things guess. that you'd have to listen like the last few weeks that he, you know, or or he gets briefed. Who knows? Uh, yeah, that's point. true. I, I I always kind of had the the maybe like fringe theory that maybe he became a recurring guest because he was a fan. Is that crazy or uh, who, which guy uh, RJ bell? Mm. Like maybe he got a- affiliated with, with the show because he was so kind of up, up to date or I, or I would savvy. hope that's the case. But uh, recently he suggested Adam that he needs an archive online for fans to access unaware that podcast one already has <laughs> one. And, that, that's yeah. a, and also that's my job, not a job job. Uh, so it's this weird thing of like, Hey, RJ stepping on some toes here, buddy. Yeah, that was a weird moment. Yep, he was just totally clueless. All that. Yeah, the well, a lot of people, everybody wants to sell Adam on how to provide his premium archive so they can take a piece. I mean, this has been going on since the beginning. I'm the one that invented podcast DVDs. Nobody sold data DVDs commercially. I was there when Mark Marin was first going to appear on the show. He was doing his whole Corolla Tards thing on his podcast. He was slagging Adam fans because he was getting bad reviews on iTunes, and he assumed they were from Adam fans because they would say that. But then those same people would give Adam a bad review and mention Mark Marin. So I explained to them, no, these are internet trolls, and they're using Adam as an avatar to make you angry, and they're using you and other people as an avatar to make Adam angry, but Adam doesn't go read his reviews, and you do. That's, and he, like that's, he, yeah, the first, the first and last Mark Marone, Mark Maroney, as I like to call him, episode <laughs> I ever listened to was Adam Carolla when he was on. He's a, he turned out to be a good guest. He came in, they started talking about farts, so instead of having this hash out thing I think he was prepared to have, he was kind of like, he was in like antagonist mode and I, I completely calmed him down. I was like, no, no, Adam likes you. You're going to have a great time. I'm his biggest fan. I think your show's great. And then I started, met, I think I told him about like, I don't know if he'd done this yet. His Kirkland intro where he was in Kirkland, Washington behind last comedy club. And he was like in an alley. I spent uh, a good portion of my youth in, and I was describing that to him. He's like, oh, you listen. And yeah. And then I showed him the podcast DVD and he's like, nobody buys DVDs anymore. And then two weeks later, oh, I have my own DVD set. And my producer, the genius thought it up. And I was like, no, no, buddy. I told you about him first, so whatever. Yeah, that's an interesting. Uh, that's an interesting point, actually. Well, I personally think uh, Mark Maron's kind of a hack. Surprise, surprise, because uh, he was defending the whole Carlos Mencia thing, and that was just I just tapped out with it. But that is an interesting point. I was actually wondering how much data it would take because you know even a compressed MP3, when it's an hour show or whatever you know a podcast is, sometimes two hours. How much data it would take up to release like a box set? A lot. Uh, uh, even leaving like them at the years. released, I had them at double the release quality, so they're about 128 for each of the early files. I mm-hmm. think we fit 151 across two DVDs at regular uh, 4.3 gigabyte DVDs because they wouldn't print on dual-sided or uh, mm-hmm. dual-layer discs where you get more space. Uh, so the, it was actually, these were actually produced at like a facility. They're glass-pressed masters, uh, so they weren't just dubs on like uh, somebody else's. Mm-hmm. And they, were, they, they sold a lot. Uh, but then we put out a second set. People were like, oh, you only put half the episodes. It was like, again, they changed formats so we can make this even. We're going to charge half price for this DVD set. It's going to be a single disc with like 80 episodes. And then 
once they start up the new version of the show, which they had, uh, the Adam Carolla show, like the podcast, the radio show version, then we'll do another set with like, you know, 150 episodes or whatever will fit. But people uh, threw such a big fit about it. They didn't sell like half the amount and then they just kiboshed it all. So thanks a lot. Um, it's interesting because I, I think that uh, the average person, like if you cut, uh, if you chop down, because you're kind of an audio nerd, I think we can all agree now, which is, I mean that in a good way. But I think the average person wouldn't even notice if you just compressed it a little more or cut down on the quality. or the, if, if you had the original WAV files, yes. But if you're compressing a compressed MP3, you're going to crunch out a lot of good stuff. And it, the whole point of putting out the DV set is here's better quality than they can release publicly for free because of the download bandwidth bill. So that's the whole point mm-hmm. of doing that. Uh, the After Disaster podcast put out flash drives for their hardcore fans on Patreon. It's been a huge ordeal because they've sent too many to like two to some people and zero to other people. And they're finally solving it with the fans help, but they had to compress one year of the shows. So like 300 episodes are original release quality. And then a hundred of them are dumbed down shitty versions and they sound like crap. Yeah. Well, may, how much do you think that is like sound like crap to you? Or sound like crap to the average person. Because I always wonder. Well, it depends. About if you're a collector and you're a fan, do you want some shitty version or do you want the best version possible? So it, it's just, well, if it's the only way that I, if it's the only means that I have of getting access to. Well, most of these the fans had already downloaded every single episode at original release quality, so they were just buying yeah. this as a collector's item. And it's like, why don't you guys just pay the extra money and ch- kick it to the listeners and charge ten bucks more and give them a bigger yeah. flash drive with the original release files, or you know, better yet, find a uniform release quality, go back, remaster them all. There's a people have a lot of excuses for why they just serve people slop over and over again. And because of my involvement with the Loveline files and people wanting to get downloads of shitty versions of shitty versions of things they never worked on, like the majority of people who've downloaded Loveline have done so from people who didn't uh, transfer a tape, who didn't record a show, who don't do anything. And they yeah. either want like some sort of weird vain glory thing or they want donations and money and mm-hmm. they didn't earn it. Yeah, and it's weird because I, I feel like the only way I could get my mom, uh, not not just Adam, but even into my own fucking podcast, it would be to give her like a box set of like CDs or DVDs. She's just old school like that. You know, she doesn't do the whole Well, also the, the dream was to have a Loveline archive in a DVD mm-hmm. set. So the whole point was to do the podcast first, uh, release each year with a connecting spine. So you'd have 10 discs on your shelf and there'd be a connecting image across from Michael Nairn. So it'd be this beautiful mm. like piece of art on your shelf, but then also let's get the Loveline, let's get the, the, the rights to it. Let's do this with Loveline and try to put out a complete collection and you'll have a Loveline box set and you get to pass mm. it down through the ages or whatever, but it uh, yeah. got kiboshed. But simultaneously that that was CDs and DVDs were kind of on the, you know, on the yeah, way out. They were out. already out on the way out. I mean, by the time we did the DVD, it was like 2010. So they were already out and nobody had ever sold a data DVD before that way. Except software, mm. so like if they sell video games that way or operating systems. Nobody sold media that way, so yeah, it now was, everything's it was a online. Unique, it was a unique fan niche product, and because of the second release and plaintiff one and some people who aren't there anymore, kind of blundering it, uh, didn't continue. Yeah, but Mark so Maron made to... like a million dollars or something crazy off his DVD set. Really, God, at least a hundred G's. It's some crazy amount. Uh, okay, of money. I was gonna say it frustrates me that Mark Marin is doing better. He had than a me. paper <laughs> sleeve, and I believe they were just uh, dub discs. They weren't glass press masters, if memory serves. Mm. Yeah. So we got a couple more questions. You still good on time? Yeah. Or yeah, okay. So we got a, a couple more questions. We're gonna we're gonna try to blow through. Uh, so Rob Castaneda, one of one of uh, your um, Adam, yours, ours biggest fan, great guy. Um, he wants to know. Do you, do you go to the live shows these days? And and um, if not, like when when was the last time you went to one? I drove them when they came to Texas in 2016, and I stayed for the show. We went to Austin, 
So I picked them up in Dallas and then I drove them to Austin and then I had to race back and work in the morning, like five in the morning. So that was yeah, the last I live show there, I've actually. seen, but I've, I've seen so many. I mean, I, I was there for the early days of every city Adam basically went to. I, uh, I ran three of the uh, shows at Kirkland laughs, uh, with no training. So I watched three wow. and the next night I had to run three and it's probably the best night of my life and the worst night of Adams, but I saw him do essentially, well, closer to six plus hours of original comedy. So much so that the security guard who'd already seen uh, five and a half shows was choked with laughter on the sixth show. So it was, it's, nice. it's one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. And we only have a recording of the first ep, uh, show because somebody bumped the recorder. who wasn't me and turned it off uh, in between shows. So we don't have two or three. They're lost to time, but uh, they're in my memory and they were some of the funniest moments I've ever seen. Yeah. So, uh, um, so go ahead and tell us, um, are there any projects that you're, that you're working on and, and, and where can everybody access those? I, I do pod gods. It's a niche show. Mm-hmm. It only has about 200 listeners. So if you can find it, you probably like it. If it doesn't sound interesting, don't worry about it. Uh, cruel classics. It's in the ACS feed every Saturday. I don't know for how long, but, uh, if you want to support it, download it there. You can also subscribe separately. We have a bonus episode coming out tomorrow, the, uh, April 7th. It'll be the first uh, exclusive episode to just the Corolla Classics feed. So if you want to get more, that's a way to do it. Uh, and then Classic Love Line, I uh, remaster it and put it out in the Geo Podcast, G-I-O-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Uh, you can find it on every podcast player. You can find it on my website, uh, superfangeo.com, superfangeovani.com. Go to the same place. And there's a YouTube channel called The Love Between the Two Hosts, where I am putting up the security camera footage of every episode we have. And then for every episode, there isn't security camera footage. I'm putting up a high def image from Naren with the best possible audio. So if you want to listen to Loveline and hear the full show and not uh, crappy versions of crappy files, that's the place to do it. Either of those. Sweet. Uh, one question I accidentally skipped over you. Just, just a quick answer. Rob Castaneda wanted to know, like, what, what's your taste in movies? I, I you said you like 80s movies. I love everything. But the uh, only genre I probably don't watch are classic westerns. Mm. Uh, I like foreign films a little bit, but not, not my biggest genre either. I, I, I watch basically everything that comes out. I mean, as a kid, I would go see the movies all by myself all the time. So from like 91 on, I saw basically everything in the theater I could. Uh, I got my first fake ID. I made it myself, uh, to show I was 17 when I was 15. So I get R rated movies. That's all I cared about. It was a fake school. Was ID. it, was it showgirls? No, I, I just, just oh, want to see R rated yeah. movies in general. So. It was like 99-ish, nice. so it would have been like uh, The Matrix and everything else that came out that was R-rated. Oh, that was R-rated? I didn't realize that. Yeah, uh, huh. so that, that, I'm a huge movie fan. I once had like four or 5,000 DVDs that I've been collecting since 96. I put all my paychecks into them. They're all I cared about. And then when my job was outsourced in 05, I had to sell them off. And uh, my computer had broken down, so I had no computer access. So I couldn't sell them on the internet. I had to sell them to half-price books for pennies on the dollar. And they probably, and they probably made I had some out of print stuff that was worth hundreds. They probably made a fortune. Ah, uh, and you couldn't, and you couldn't uh, rip them either to back them up. Nope, couldn't do anything because you're ah oh, shit. That's I, like, I was like I, at I the point up, where I didn't have power anymore at the apartment. I was like uh, that that impoverished and uh, no jobs. And like my whole yeah. life story, if you want to hear it, it's on Doctor Drew episode. Geez, I think it's let me thirty seven. I'll pull it up real quick. Uh, it's in the archive, but if you can get access to it, it's a really good episode. He just walks through my entire life story. How I got in the show. Yeah, it's uh, episode 37 of the Dr. Drew podcast. I was also the first guest on uh, the Adam and Drew show, episode nine. And then I think I've done five or six episodes of the ACS. Nice. Fuck yeah. And um, 
and uh, just on a on a silver lining, you know, because I'm such an optimist, as you've probably figured out hmm. now. You sold those DVDs when they were still like worth something because I had a bunch of kind of like you had a big collection and I just they took up a lot of room and I I didn't watch them anymore and this was a couple years ago I tried to sell them and it's like I literally I had trouble giving them away it was the weirdest thing so you you got out early you know if you you go online all that stuff's worth a ton now especially the out of print stuff so like stuff I got 50 cents a disc for I could could have sold then for $50 a disc and now for 200 Oh, okay. Yeah, even cassette yeah. tapes are now worth a ton. Uh, Anderson just threw out all of his old audio cassettes only to find out a bunch of them were worth hundreds of dollars. Uh, well, I'm never, I'm never letting go of my Peter Cetera cassette tapes or Selena or fucking AHA. Those, those are, that's sentimental value. But uh, yeah, Chris, I mean, uh, Gio, unless you had anything else you wanted to get off your chest, we were just going to um, do our normal plugs and, and kind of wrap it up. Sure. If you guys want to have me back, I'll come back on. Uh, you know, I've, I, done a ton of these podcasts and it's really weird because there's been a bunch of like uh corolla after shows and things launched after pod launched by fans and they eventually uh no longer associate with adam corolla and just become their own thing even the adam corolla message board is now just a dime for scale and there's a subsection for adam corolla talk discussions because uh, so many people just don't listen anymore or claim not to hmm. I, I guess i would just uh, tell people if you're going to quit the show uh, talk to me first or <laughs> give it a minute to uh, talk yourself off the ledge. There's no reason to quit a podcast because you're mad at somebody you've never met based on things that you think. I mean, like the tons of people I know stop listening to Rogan because he repeats himself too much or they think he's this way or they think he's that way. And it's just, it's simply not true. Mm-hmm. Uh, we love that. Yeah. We talk about, uh, Jaden's talked about that. Yeah, he does repeat himself some, but there's always some, you know, hidden that's, gem that's the thing. And, and the percentage thing. rates for repetition, Adam's one of the lowest, but people just don't observe yeah. that because they only listen to Adam every single day. The other shows they hear once a week or they catch when they want to. And like, I personally know Adam Carolla. He is a good human being. Uh, if he's mm-hmm. your boss, it's, you're in the best situation possible. He's the most fair and honest person you'd ever want to deal with money with. Uh, He'll go out of his way to make it fair for you. I remember uh, recently uh, Ray was on Allison Rosen's podcast and he was like, let me tell you this. You know, the worst thing about Adam, he'll hire my guys, you know, my Mexicans, and then they'll go over there. He'll feed them lunch and pay them $3 more per hour. And they come back to me and expect me to pay him as much. Isn't that terrible? And then, How dare and then Allison was like, I wouldn't expect Adam to pay Mexicans more. And I was like, what? You worked with this man for all these years. You think he's yeah. a racist or? Yeah. He's, think ge- he's very generous. I think Yeah, he, he doesn't have hate about anybody. And like, he's not, he's not a Donald Trump sniffer. Like Trump has might come on the show or has been on the show. He's been on Trump's things. He'll, he'll say negative things about him. Uh, he, just like he will yeah. any politician. I, I think people just read everything wrong and they presume a lot of stuff. That's what Dag did. And it's separated from the show over nothing. It's just made up nonsense. Well, yeah, well that's why that that's is very, why we all love him. Yeah, that's very well put, man. So thanks for spending so much time with us. Yeah, oh, you're welcome. I think, yeah, it's quite an honor. Yes, so, hey, everybody, remember our social media, Endless Rainers Podcast, Facebook group, Twitter at Endless Rainers, Instagram at Endless Rainers Podcast. Make sure you check out all of Giovanni's stuff for sure. And uh, don't forget about Jaden, Talk Time Radio, Curious FM, and his his uh, his music project. So quality stuff there. But yeah, let's see. Wrap it up. This is Chris saying, "Get it on." This is Jaden saying, "Get it on." Traditional
Wishes when all of the words are true